right. Let's just double check, make sure that we are live. I believe we are live. Yes, we are live. So, good evening, everybody. I'm Dustin Coiner from Track Days here in SoCal, and I am on with the team boss, Chris Ulrich. He's like this dude that used to be a racer. I've known him since he was a teenager, and now he's an old guy with kids. And, uh,. He's got. He runs that whole circus over there with the M4 team, and a lot of people go to him. What is up, Chris? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. I'm sorry, my my podcasting studio is not quite up to spec like yours. I need a microphone. I need it. I I wouldn't call this really a studio. It's like my home office, dude. I just bought yeah. a mic and some headphones. Like it's... You look, you're looking pro, dude. You're looking I'll pro. I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah. Appreciate that, Chris. So you know what, man? Like you you've been in this game for a long time. Like I said. I, I've known you for over 20 years. We were talking about it earlier today, right? And, man, like, what the hell happened? We got old somehow. I don't know. But, yep. you, like, I, I got, you had hair and dark, yeah. it was dark when I met yeah. you, and I had hair and it was dark. I have no hair now, and you're starting to look like Mike Canfield, so. Oh, man, I'm still okay. I'm doing okay. I was a little thin. <laughs> it's still, if you keep a one clip, you can't really, you can, it doesn't, oh. doesn't show up the gray as much. There you go. There anyway, you go. Uh, yeah, I'm never, you know, anyway, I'm going all natural on that, but... Right on. Yeah, I have teenagers now, actually. My son's a teenager, so Dude, it's... That's uh, crazy. It's been quite a journey, but I... I'm, you, you, know. you, try, you trying to build another generation of racers? Uh, if he wants to go racing, he's more than welcome. I'll support it, but it's up to him, 100%. That's... that's uh, for the, the racing thing, like, there's four Ulrich kids, you know, from my, my, my father, and... Um, uh, my older brother and my my two my older my older brother I got an older sister and then a younger sister so I'm the, I'm the third kid and I'm the only one that went racing so uh, all of them had the opportunity I think if they wanted to if they gravitated towards it but it was like the racing thing was man I I lived and breathed it from the get go like from the start it was you know we had obviously the team was founded in 1980 by my father and and Bruce Hammer and so right. Um, you know, from the time I was in diapers, I was going to races. But then we had all these cool motorcycle racers coming, staying at the house, and um, you know, wanted to go hang out with them. They wanted to be like them. So, you know, I was I was hot to go, hot to go racing. It, it took a long time too, because uh, you know, my mom obviously being around the business for that long. We had we had some pretty big. Um, not to start the show off on on a, on a down note, but. The team's co-founder Bruce Hammer, which is how you get the the name Team Hammer. Yeah. Um, he was paralyzed in 1982, hit a guardrail outside of of the carousel at at Road America, and then 1988, uh, another good rider of ours and a good friend of my dad's, Russ Polk, was killed at at uh, Sears Point, which is now Sonoma Raceway or whatever in Turn Eight. Yeah. So. You know, there's and, and and many others, right? There's been many, many others in, in that era, right? When you made a small mistake and you got you got hurt pretty badly. Um, so that wasn't something necessarily my mom wanted to see her kid do. But uh, I was bound and determined, and then um, I screwed up, <laughs> screwed up in school. And uh, I think my dad saw that opportunity. That uh, hey, look, I'll take you go, I'll take you racing if you stop being an idiot. And so <laughs> it was overnight. The transition was overnight. It was like yes, no problem. That's awesome. I mean, when I met you, you were riding a 250 with a giant Kids Don't Smoke logo on the side yeah. of it. Yeah, that was uh, 
98 or 99. Actually, so that, that program started in 1997, and uh, it was an interesting thing, right? We, we, we'd gone racing, and, you know, it takes money to go racing. So California had a bunch of anti-smoking campaigns, and so we went and got a grant from the state of California and, um, you know, did that to promote the anti-smoking project. Um, and, you know, I mean, hell, that had me going to high schools and middle schools and elementary schools as a 17 or 18-year-old and talking to my peers about not smoking cigarettes. And so that was a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, I could have done a better job at it. But, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, I'd go to Road America. I went to Road America. I went to Sheboygan High School, you know, one year in 98. And I went to Paris High School a few times down in Southern California. And that was, that 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 one was rough. That was an assembly. That was uh um, but I got through it. I used to used to deal with a guy that um, had one of those had lost his, his voice box and all that. Okay. And had a, yeah, it was. Um, I saw him at a lot of events. But anyway, yeah. So that that was how that came around. And, and really, I'm not to get too too wordy on that. There was it was actually early in the '90s. We we'd had a um, man, and now I can't even think of the name. And it ended up going on Kenny Roberts. So um started with a W. No, it wasn't Winston, but it was something else. Um, and they wanted to sponsor a cigarette company, wanted to sponsor a team. My dad turned the deal down. It was like a three hundred K deal in like the nineties. And wow. um he said, I, what am I gonna tell my kids when they when you know what am I gonna tell my kids when I tell them not to smoke because he hated smoking. And and so it uh you know, obviously that was a business deal that was lost at that time and that was a lot of money in the eighties or nineties and, and but right. it is what it is. And um he stuck to his guns so then you know years later then we found that opportunity yeah i mean you i think i've seen am i mistaken i think i've seen another kid run that logo on a bike a few years ago elena myers yeah elena myers yeah, yeah. yeah i wanted to know like if you if you were to ever bring back that brand or you had plans to continue it somehow no i, I think no i mean it was it was a good a good opportunity to, to to help push that along and that wasn't really anything that was funded by anybody it was our pro, our project and our our message that we wanted to put yeah. out there and it was a good opportunity we had a young young female racer that was quite fast you know personable and, and um it's just a good opportunity to, to, to revive that out again and, and see what we can do I mean, and then, you know, after that, uh, pretty much, I, I would I would always see you in tech at WSD with your 750s and 600s yep. and whatever, even thousands, I think. And, yep. um, you know, you'd always be like, hey, man, could you, like, come tech me in my garage? <laughs> <laughs> that was and, a bro deal. It was easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I usually would. But, yeah, I mean, you, you did a lot of club racing, too, man. Like, yeah. you... I know you were a regular at WSMC. Your dad was as well. Yeah. Um, sponsored the 125 class for a long time. That's right. Sponsored the 250. We sponsored the 250-50. The 250-50, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you were uh, you were like one of those dudes that hung on to the 250 for a while, but you were not the guy that hung on to it all the way to the end. The 250 thing, so... You know, at that time, right, it was the graduate, it, it was the path. So Nikki Hayden did it, the, all the Hayden brothers did that, yeah. that path. Um, it was the path you took, Hopkins. Hopkins, not so much because our lines, you know, that deal kind of blew up. But um, it was the path. You started 50s, 80s, 125s, 250s, and then you yeah. went wherever you're going to go. And, and the, 
the riding the GP bikes at that time gave you the foundation of settings and understanding, you know, because I mean, we're going through transmission gears, all sorts of settings to understand things. So it was it was a good education, rigid chassis, and before you got on a four stroke, and so that that was the path. And but you know, obviously that that went away. So yeah, I, I did uh, started nineteen ninety three racing. So that was fifties, and then I went to an eighty, and then ninety four I got on a one twenty five, but. It wasn't very good at that time. I mean, I mean, I won a bunch of stuff on the 80s, but my 125 transition took a few years. Cause I, I remember like the first time they took me on a 125, I, I go, um, this guy Chris Rogers was my, my, uh, it's my chaperone both places. So Chris Rogers and some other guy named Rodney Fee. Um, and my old man's out riding. <laughs> well, he's doing something and we're at a, we're running a team hammer school. And those two were like, Hey Chris, you want to ride this 125? And so they just sent me out. I was riding my 80 around, and they sent me out on this 125. And I remember I got over the top of turn six and was like, okay, dude, I'm going to pin it. And I, it was like my eyes were like wide open. It was so badass, you know. And I, I just got on a 80 to a 125. So it was, I don't know what the thing made, you know. Yeah. But it was, it was like it was a, it was a turbocharged superbike at the time. It was Ford, you know, didn't know. So that kind of started the transition towards that, and they, they, they sent me out on an 18 inch wheel, 1989, 125 at a some club race at Streets of Willow. So that was my, my baptism by fire, and then got my own bike. But anyway, um, did the 94, and uh, was supposed to go, I did most of the weird stuff in 94. Um, was supposed to do the 95 season, full-blown national season, and that was the year the Haydens got popped for being underage. So they, they oh. overnight, the age limit went from 14 to uh, 16. And so uh, had to wait another year, which, you know, probably wasn't a bad thing anyway. So, I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Actually, I endorse the 16-year-old age limit now because I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know a, Knowing what I know and what I've been experienced through and, and working with kids and stuff, it's, you know, they got to wait till they're 16. I don't think it's a bad thing. For the National Series. Yeah, for the National Series. Yeah. I think Club Race at 14, I think, right? Yeah. Some earlier. I don't necessarily think they should be on 600s at 14. You know, I think 16. The, the, your, your mindset from, you know, when you change from, especially having kids, I can see it. Like the, like the change in my own son from, from 12 to 13. And, and, and moving on, it's like I'm looking at him going. You know, he's a pretty mature kid, and I'm going, mm, no, not ready, yeah. not ready here. You know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't mind it. I, I mean, now that the FIM's changed the whole role too, I'm not to get in the weeds on that. But now that the FIM's changed that role, I think it's good. It's going to be good for the U.S. Yeah. What, they, uh, you want to talk a little bit about what that rule specifically is? They moved the uh, the minimum age limit. Man, thanks for calling me out on that. Um, goes I know Greg White 16. would know I don't know anything I'm just a dummy yeah I should have put that in my notes on the thing I didn't know I was going to go down this rabbit hole but it's I didn't either bro it, it, like it, it just goes it, how it goes yeah it raises raises the limits to like 16 16 18 um, right on basically it eliminates that need for the kid to be over there going going Mach 10 at 14 years old so right and, I mean, we, know, I wrote we, a column we, about this too so we, we've seen it. our fair share of it right I yeah. mean you know going all the way back to, I mean, shit, Peter Lentz, right? I yep. Mean, Dude, that was a rough day at Indy, man. I'm sitting there signing autographs with the kid, and then the next thing you know, he's 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 dead. And it's like, dude. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
It's um, yeah, he was on the road race and roll booth. It was rough. Yeah, yeah. He was on a road race and roll bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's rough. All right, <laughs> so you, uh, like I said, you've done a lot of club racing. You, you did uh, a lot of sprints and endurance too, right? Like yeah. your your whole family is like all about the endurance. Talk a little bit about that. Like, yeah, so, what's so your, the what's the your found, deal? The foundation in the endurance thing is is it goes back to the, the I mean. It's the founding of the team. I use foundation yeah. way too many times in that sentence. Yeah. Um, 1980. So you know, you know everyone. Know, I mean, most for your for your audience. My father is John Ulrich, so 2017 Hall of Famer. That's so, a secret, right? Well, some people don't know, and some people look at John Ulrich now as Chris Ulrich's dad. So it's it, the generation has changed a little bit, but. Anyway, so him, um, he, he was working for Cycle World at the time, and, um, and he worked for all the big big magazines up until he founded World Racing World, actually. And he um, goes to Suzuka eight hours and rides a Milwaukee, um, I think it was Milwaukee Kawasaki. Um, and he comes back to the U.S. And, and starts talking to his racing buddies and like, dude, you know, if we get one of those things, we can really do some damage over here in the U.S., so I talked to a few different guys and a few different guys, and, and I think the deal was, you know, we go 50, I go 50, and, and then we go racing. And, um, you know, most of the guys he was working, he was talking to, oh, I ain't going to pay, I ain't going to pay. And so then he met Bruce, and they went, okay, great, yeah, I'm in. I think my dad was 26, and Bruce was 32. And he, he was, uh, you know, Bruce finished second in the AMAF one championship, I think in 80 or 81. I got a... I should put. I should have notes with all like that I said, stuff. Like I said, dude, Greg I mean, White would know oh, this. I, I would. I would. I, I'm not sure Greg White would know this. I think. I mean, dude, he knows the, everything, right? Like that. He, dude he does know a lot of shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and so anyway, they threw down their money and they went racing and they won like the three of the first five races in in '81 or '80 80 and '81 and then '82. Bruce got hurt, so it was a pretty big disaster. But then the team rebounded to win the championship in '83 and '84 and. Um, Set sell, you know. Eighty five was got beaten. Eighty five won it again. Eighty six beat eighty seven. Maybe won it again. Eighty seven. What did What did you start endurance racing? Because I know you've done a little bit of it as well, right? Uh, first race was nineteen ninety eight, but I wasn't. It wasn't very good. You know, I mean, it was <laughs> like they were trying to. I was racing two fifty and get a six hundred, but um. So going back, sorry, not. I gotta finish the thought on the team. So basically, okay. the team ended up winning 13 championships, 138 endurance races over the years, and basically um, owned 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 national endurance racing for quite a long time. You know, weird stuff. And then they showed up at some of those AMA races and won those too. So um, that was a very very strong team. And a lot of guys came out of that program from Thomas Stevens, uh, Jamie Hacking, Chuck Graves. Um, uh, Sadowski, Jamie James, Mike Hart. Wow, dude. Oh, dude, it's a lot of guys. Um, it sounds like a lot of guys. Donald Jacks, you know, he was he went to Yosh. Um, Josh Hayes. Should have seen Josh Hayes when he showed up. I love Josh Hayes. Good friend of mine. You should have seen him when he showed up in the truck in 1996. It's good. Um, Grant Lopez. Hopkins, yeah. Hopkins didn't come out of the endurance stuff. Um, but yeah, Hopkins hey, came out of the mini thing, right? Yeah, he came out of the mini thing. He came sprint racing. Like he was, you know, he was Mr. Talent. So he he 
you know, that that was by the time the team had the team had transitioned away from AMA racing. I mean, away from air racing. So, anyways, we had so many guys that came through the program and went um, went on. Mike Smith was one of them. He ended up at Yosh, then Honda, then then Ducati, and so. Um, Anyway, a lot of young guys got to start at that team doing the endurance stuff, and then they got promoted to you know earn their earn their way on another deal. And it was a good way to get a lot of track time, and, and that was a high that was a pressure cooker situation over there riding for Ju. I think the expectation was a lap an hour, so and you didn't get it. <laughs> it was bad news. So um, anyway, they dominated that, and they went AMA racing in nineteen um, full time in ninety eight and in ninety nine. Um, it was part time in '98. They went FUSA racing, so they were doing FUSA. We were went FUSA racing in '90, uh, full, full time in '99. They were doing both series in 2000. So showed up with Josh Hayes at, at uh, Daytona on the 750 Super Sport race and won it on Michelin's. So they're like, "Where do these guys come from?" Well, they've kind of been around for a long time. You just don't don't uh, look outside the paddock. So. Right. And I started it. Um, the team won the 2000. Hopkins won the 2007 Super Sport Championship, and then 2001 uh, at Form Extreme, and then we then we got him on the Red Bull team. Peter Clifford, the guy that was running the team, you know, used to come over and sleep on our couch. <laughs> so old friends with my dad. So right. he, uh, you know, called us up. Hey man, what, what do you got? And said we got John Hopkins, but it's going to be a couple of years. So by the time we developed him, yeah, he that whole 2001 season, he was over there testing 500s. Anyway, so going back to that, so that leads us yeah. to 2001. And, yeah. Uh, I, so you're, I have, you're endurance racing, you're 98, yeah. you tried it, it sucked. Yeah. Well, I was just not ready, didn't have my head wrapped around that whole four-stroke thing yet, you know. Okay. Early in development, broke my arm, blah, 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 blah. Um, I get, so I get to 90, 98, 99, I finished third in this 250 championship. 2000 um, comes around, and I realize, I'm like looking around, and I, dude, I got this 90 horsepower TZ 250, the 54 54 engine. I'm riding for World Sports. The thing is badass. I'm, I'm riding pretty well, learning a bunch of stuff, um, racing against all Rich Oliver and Roland and, and Sorensen and all those guys. So some pretty pretty strong 250 guys. Um, yeah. I kind of start looking around. And, legends, right? Yeah, I mean, legends. Legends in the AMA paddock. Um, and. Um, looking around I'm kind of like looking at this going man this is a dead end <laughs> and and it just boom dead end this is a dead end fuck it I'm, I'm out I'm gonna go ride four strokes and so I started um, I started just kind of moving over you know my um, we, you know obviously we had good connections with Suzuki and and so uh, but the the big team the Valvoline MGO Suzuki team the team hammer team was full you know and you gotta that was even though my parents or my family owned the team, right? It was like, dude, you got to earn your keep, buddy. Yeah. So you're not you're not just automatically going to get signed by this team. You you, you can't perform. Suzuki ain't going to do nothing. Valvoline ain't going to do nothing. So. Um. By the way, what you're saying right there is contrary to the the WSMC paddock rumor mill, right? Yeah, those guys don't <laughs> know shit. Dude. Yeah. You got to earn your keep. You know, I mean, yeah. even like if you go back to that kids don't smoke thing, right? Yeah. It's like, Chris, figure out how to fund your racing. Yes. Okay. We'll figure that out. Okay. You have to work to do this. Okay. No problem. I'll figure that out. Paint the house. Go find sponsors. I, you know, I, I had some very, very good guidance, but the work had to be done. Yeah. Um, drive the truck. Anyway, whatever. Hey, you know, outside looking in, whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. 
so uh, I start transitioning over to the to the four stroke stuff and race a six hundred for Vezra Suzuki, um, and uh, I did Pocono, Daytona, somewhere else. Pocono was horrible. Daytona was a lot better. I think I was in the top ten by the time I got over there. Um, and that's and endurance they, racing, right? No, no, not endurance racing. That's sprint race, Formula USA sport bike or whatever they call it, right? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. dude, like Hawkins and those guys. Were in those classes. Spees, Spees at the time was riding for the team, and he was in those classes in the 600. Oh shit! Um, and so, you know, okay, I'm just treading, treading. Then I got that 600, and I went, took it to Willow so I could ride it at Willow over over winter. And then they decided, okay, we're gonna go do, um, you know, probably the class for me was 750 Super Sport because it wasn't quite as cutthroat as as the. 600 class with not as many factory guys. Okay, great. So I can I can develop a little bit, not get my head kicked in completely, <laughs> and um, get some confidence, and then we'll go. Okay. Um, so we did that, but then in, in parallel, I signed up to ride the Vezra Suzuki endurance bike in 2001. The new GSXR 1000, 2001 GSXR 1000 came out. Big push, doing endurance, doing all this other stuff. And the year before, actually, in 2000, we did the 20. Yeah, we did the 24, 24 hour. I forgot about that. Yeah. My team won. <laughs> yeah. Well, the team I was on won. Sorry. I was, I, was a... I, I had just gotten out of novice. Yeah. And, yeah, I couldn't make that one. And there weren't any more after that. Dude, so. it was, I, I'm going to admit, like, people are like, man, you should bring it back to 24. I'm like, no. Those things suck, dude. I mean, it's cool. I'd do it again. But, like, I'd have to train a lot, obviously. But it's an experience. It's cool. It's not an experience I would necessarily want to participate in again. Like, how how was your, um, like, I, I'm guessing that uh, endurance racing helped your sprint yeah. racing, right? Absolutely. It, 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 it made me, you know, that year. It, it cut so much development time off of me, right? So, you know, we did the 24-hour, and that was that was good. You know, I think they set a, they set a lap time target for me because I was, like, it was funny. Um, I'm going to tell a story, and I'm not. Um, earlier in the year, you know, remember Mark Miller? Uh, the Thriller? The Thriller. <laughs> so Thriller invites me out to ride Stamboli's R1, right? And um, The R71. Yeah, whatever bike they raced in the 24-hour that year. Yep. And so he invites me out for the, R, the R1, and he, it's me, Castanos, Miller, you know, I ride the thing. It's like, holy shit. The thing was stiff. It was gnarly, right? And I'm coming off a 250, barely riding any four-stroke stuff. And I'm like, again, the same type of thing. Get over the top of the hill and pin it to see what this thing's got. Yeah. So um, I don't know what I did, 27s or 28s or something like that. Um, I don't know if it was fast enough to make the program, right? But I didn't really hear nothing back. And I, maybe it was a something where it was like, you know, some talk between my dad and those, I don't know, I don't know all the details, but great. Um, fast forward to get invited out to ride the 750 for Vezra, and it's like, okay, cool, just meet your lap time target. I think it was 27s or something at the time, which I don't think is very fast, I mean, it's not very fast, but 26, 27, around that place at that time, you know, at endurance pace was fine, because I think the leaders were doing 24s or 23s, and so... Like the really fast guys were doing 24s and 23s on the on the on whatever the top teams were. So then the sweep guys were the, the you know the other teammates. Okay, we just had to meet this target. So I just met my target, 
kept the lead, you know, and being pretty young and pretty inexperienced with that thing, it was like, oh, perfect, you know, I'm good, I'm good to go. So did that, we won the race, and it was cool. I mean, I, you know, attack hole of radiator, if I remember, the Corona guys screwed up, which is what they did, and they always screwed up, but, um, you know, a few other guys didn't, but, and then we, we, we made, made it happen. So um, that kind of, that kick-started my spot onto the, onto the 2001 team because you know I didn't screw up and and we're coming out of that thing and then Bezra was sponsoring my sprint racing stuff in the MA championship and so um, you know that season uh, I hauled around Team Hammer advanced riding school school bikes to get gas money <laughs> <laughs> to, to drove my dad's old old uh, Dodge pickup bar to trailer from Mark Young and uh, packed it full of Team Hammer Team Hammer's advanced riding school street bikes to to haul around to the schools and uh, set sail, man. It was that was a fun year, honestly. Like of racing, of all the years I went racing, ever it was like a massive pain in the ass. But you know, it was me and my mechanic, uh, this guy named Billy Weiss, who's uh, since he passed away actually last year. Um, and looking we, back on it, Chris, like it looking fun. back on it though, compared to what you've got now on your plate, was it really a pain in the ass? No. <laughs> Dude, I used to show up at the at the so at the at the shop too at the race shop. Now that I I, I live in Alabama, I manage I manage the, the our, our race shop. So it's the same shop we've had for thirty something years. And I used to show up. I'd ship all my stuff in there, right? I'd show up and get my bike. I I weed the thing like I went to Loudon, Loudon, and I, I weeded the thing twice at Loudon, and then like in the race the second time. So I packed that thing up in the trailer and left. I don't know. Show up a couple of days before the next race. Put the thing back together, throw it in the trailer, and go to the next place. I had to go, and it was like, it, yeah, it was it was all right. I controlled, you know. The I think the thing I liked the most about it in, in racing, and I didn't have that in racing after that was uh, I kind of controlled my own destiny in the grand scheme of things. You know, I just went race the race, um, rode the endurance bike, you know, did as many FUSA races as I could, did some Suzuki Cup races. Um, you know, I do remember I, you winning that 750 race at Laguna. Oh yeah, I did. I won that too. Um, that was cool. I won the I won the GSXR 1000 Suzuki Cup race that year too. So I, I dude, I could never launch the damn thing. So like in the 750 races, I'd end up like 87th or something off the line, and have to work my way through wherever. You know, I didn't. I don't know. I, I probably should have gone to the drag strip or something and got better stars. So I, I remember like Road America that year was like my coming, kind of my coming out. Um, of like I've arrived because I, I ended up so it was it was stupid um, I don't even think I had the thing in gear when the light went off and and oh, fuck I gotta go and you know then I just got my rhythm and all of a sudden I'm on the back of Ben Ben and and uh, Jimmy Moore and I'm like oh dude I'm shit I'm leading and I'm like I'm leading I'm like fuck what am I doing and uh I ended up third because I'm a dumbass and I weaved at the line and Ben got me and it's like just what I went straight Chris and you would have got second anyway um, my first four-stroke podium and uh, first time I led a four-stroke national so that was pretty cool but then yeah the starts the starts got me not a pretty ripping ripping race at Brainerd too and I screwed that up by flattening both my tires on the last lap that was good jumping that good at Brainerd they used to have this left that went out or this no excuse me, left right under the bridge so they eliminated the bridge. So then we still on the bridge, but there's a curb. And the thing always had a pothole. And so I 
pothole, both rims. It's like, oh, dude. Anyway. So when did you, uh, so you, you got the endurance stuff, you started doing the nationals, yeah. and you basically did the national thing full time. Yeah. All the way till like 16, right? Yeah, more or less. Um, Mostly yes. on Suzuki's, except for that small stint. On Hondas. On the yeah. Hondas, right? Yes. So like I earned a spot on my dad's team in o, for O2. And you know, that was what it was. I won one race. 2000 hurt my shoulder right before it. I was at a press launch. We did this 954. I was gonna talk about the journal, journalist GP or whatever you used to call it when you were young. Yeah. And dumb. Really, yeah. I'm still <laughs> That was dumb. kinda dumb, right? Like Yeah, it was it. dumb. I, it was this big pissing match. It's not quite the pissing match it used to be though. Like everyone like, it's 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 mellowed out quite a bit. Um, actually, it's not really a pissing match anymore. Yeah. Um, but man, it used to just be a pissing match. It used to be you better show up. I mean, this time in, you know, in a lot of times it was the Brits versus the Yanks too. So like we roll into we're over in Autopolis in Japan for the ZX6R launch, and they got Guy Martin and a few other guys and uh, Sonsky, Dave Sonsky. I was going pretty good. I mean, I was, like, racing all the time, so obviously I should go good, right? If you're racing all right. the time, racing the AMA level, you're a top 10 guy, you should be going pretty quick. Um, and he, he rolls over and grabs my, grabs a clipboard and then goes, hey, man, this is what our guy did. What's your guy got? And um, guy went out there and got, uh, like, you know, within a second and a half and put the thing in the weeds. Right. So that ended the GP that day. Right. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, it used to be a pretty big pissing match, but now it's 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 pretty mellow, man. We're all we're all, I mean, plus like the guys, the the real gnarly guys aren't are gone. I mean, the, all the guys are competent now, and they're and they're good, and they go they go pretty darn quick, and they're they're professional, you know, and they understand then the bikes all that you know to call it, but the like what hap what's the consequences for the journalists if you guys weed one? I don't know. I got the exhaust pipe and got made fun of. Oh, I'm missing half my collarbone because of that. So that was a pretty big consequence. So, so like the magazine's not responsible to cover it or anything. <sighs> I don't think we've ever gotten a bill for breaking a bike. <laughs> I, I, I mean, will tell you, like knock knock on wood, that was the one and only time I've ever crashed a magazine bike. And oh, I try my darndest not to. After that, dude, it was like so embarrassing. It was like fucking dude. I, just signed a pro contract. Just got you know done with a big training camp with Rich Oliver's. Okay, my my old man needed me to do you know one more before before we're out, and then I fucking tank slap the thing, tank slap the pads back, and then you get cocky and try to make the corner, and then end up on my head. And it's like, really, dude? I'm supposed to go testing at Fontana a week? So yeah, that was. I remember you beat yourself up pretty good on that shoulder injury. Dude, dude it, it's like uh, that that. Thing that actually is a, it was pretty bad, and I've had a few operations on the thing, but it, that led to the collarbone dying off, to the, to the surgery, to the collarbone dying off, to the collarbone getting taken out, to, yeah. So I mean, it's like, I'm good times. This side, I'm missing Frequent that much. Frequent flyer with Doctor Brian. <laughs> no, that was Doctor Ting. Oh, okay, the other. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, that's some it's good uh, stuff there, buddy. Yeah, pretty dumb. It's interesting yeah, that uh, it's part of the journey. <laughs> the, the the magazine thing, like, 
you know, you're you're able you're able to write for the magazine still. Like you're, yeah. you're still doing that and race. You know, you're managing the team now. But yeah. you you were doing that magazine guy thing the whole time you raced too. Like how do you how do you transition from the mindset? Uh, like from uh, racer first. I don't know. You, you know, I've been doing my column, so like column on the back page of Road Racing World's been going on. Uh, journalism stuff started when I was fifteen because my uh, I'm in high school and I'm going to the GNF to race the sportsman races on Muscle Hero Zuka's 125, and he's like, "Look, you, you can go do this, but you got to write a call. You got to write a story about it." I'm like, yeah. All right, I'm in. All right, I'll figure it out. You know, so go down there, um, write the story, and then. You, Kind of hatched the idea of hey man you want to do a column because I want a different I want a different uh, viewpoint to for the magazine and so it's, yeah sure I mean dude some of my early stuff was I I, I look back on it I I basically have spent some some of the time I was 16 so now I'm 43 years old I've written a column every month for the for the magazine and except for two and that was September 21 and September 2003 so 2003 it was like dude it was just too repetitive because I was just crashing shit and having a crappy year. In 2001, I had COVID. So it was, you know, too hurt or too sick. So yeah. um, you can go back and read that stuff, but it's like you can you can, you can can see my life. <laughs> it's a chronicle. I guess I, guess I could get them all out and frame them or something. I, don't know. I mean, like I said, I, I, remember, I, I remember you were pretty hard on yourself after that, that yeah. shoulder one. I mean, you were in your art, in your column you were pretty tough on yourself yeah. you're like man i'm an idiot i shouldn't have done that you know basically you know yeah i'm, a, I'm a firm you know i'm a firm believer and you got to own it if you screw it up yeah so i'm screwing yeah. it up i'm screwing it up and get called on it that's cool too you know but so you've been you you've gotten the opportunity to go all over the world to yeah. ride motorcycles what's yeah. your what's your favorite place that you've gone uh overseas to test oh dude In terms That's of a lot of shit, if you got to wait that yeah. long. <laughs> well, I've been going to Horizon a lot lately. I like that place; it's fun. I mean, I'm going to so like I don't want to spoil it. It's going to come out, but I'm testing the Bagger Kings Indian in a couple of weeks, and then um, going to do a Triumph thing at the end of the month over in Spain. But the Bagger King things at that Chuck Wall. Like, look. Um, Gnarly's experience was 04 at Bruno when I tested the WCM and they put me out on a Monday morning test with all the maniacs from the GP. Okay. That was pretty like, holy shit. You know, yeah. it was like, okay, you got 15 laps, dude, get this done as quick as you can because we're kind of skating this in under Odo's radar and, um, you know. And don't wreck the goddamn bike. <laughs> yeah, don't wreck the bike and don't get run over by Boris Caparossi. Um, so that was gnarly, but I mean, look, they trusted me enough to do it, right? So, right. Yeah. And I wasn't. I mean, there's another dude named uh, Matsudo Naoki Matsudo. He tested the bike the same day, and he raced a GP the day before, and I was the same speed as him, so I didn't do a shit job. But it was, right. um, it was just, dude, it was one of those holy crap because that was at Brno. Um, the, you know, like I don't know, Port of Mouse over overrated. Um, Port of Mouse overrated. Yeah, I like. It looked uh, like fun. I don't know. Like, it's I, overrated, I, dude. It's overrated. Yeah. Okay. Um, in my opinion, it might. Hey, look, you might ride it and have a different opinion than me, but for me, um, Island, you did that one. Oh yes, yes. 
Willow Springs, buddy. Yeah? Willow Springs in Australia. It's badass. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. You get to ride that place. Turn one. All right. Turn one is not for the faint of heart. I, I Awesome. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Like, Stoner's awesome. It's all awesome. Very yeah. good. I like Eastern Creek, too. So yeah, Sydney Motorsports uh, Park now. Yeah, yeah, right? Sydney Motorsports Park, yeah. Uh, Eastern Creek was cool. I, um, it was Australia. Sepang's pretty badass. Um, so you don't have a favorite? No, like, man, like I've had the honor and the privilege to ride all these racetracks. And I don't, you know, don't want to ruin the Portimao love, but but everything else has been awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I do like Mazzano going the other way. I, I don't like the new Mazzano that much. It's not as it's like if you've ridden the old Mazzano, better than the new Mazzano. Although that corner where they go, you know, that whatever, that's that takes some serious bravery. Yeah. But the definitely like the flow of the old Mazzano. I mean, Mon, uh, I've been to Monza too. That place is a sketchy, but it's pretty gnarly. Um, and how about you know, uh, there's there's a difference like this U.S. tracks versus versus European tracks and some of these international tracks and like yeah there's tracks where you can get a rhythm going like a real nice rhythm and it's just like boom 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 like like uh, Jerez is like that uh, I just went to Almeria for that uh, S1000 launch and, and and I hadn't been to Almeria for a long time but it was like that so all the all like you know a lot of those European tracks that you can just like okay we're flowing. Um, you can do the flow like a barber, um, kind of get the flow going at Willow. Pre-chicane at Road America, um, but like all these other places just kind of like, man, what were they thinking? <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I like the flow of most of the European tracks. I mean like the, I didn't get too many laps. I've been to Magello. I didn't get too many laps there. That was, that was a deal in six when I got to ride Haga's Superbike and Cap Curtain's R6 and that was like hey dude you get 10 laps don't screw this up and learn the track and wow. you know it was like okay cool but man dude that front straightaway at Magello was oh yeah it's good yeah yeah you should go there too your neck stand up. yeah Ooh. it's just thinking about <laughs> it I mean it's, it, dude it's been over what 06 was how long ago and I'm still like yeah it's a good yeah that's awesome. So That's anyway, awesome. yeah. So how about the U.S. though? I mean, you you raced everywhere. Like, yeah. Do you have like a favorite on the circuit? Um. And just so you know, like I'm just checking because like I've talked to multiple people on this show, and they've all said Road America. And and some are really but excited. Pretty chicane. Oh, okay. Because they're really excited about it because of new pavement there. Oh yeah, it's going to be good. I, look, I like I like Road America. Um, like the last section from from Canada Corner up. I guess it's the Billy Mitchell Mitchell Bend now because they took the bridge out in the last corner. You can flow pretty mm -hmm. well there. Um, you can flow up through Hurry Downs and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I like that stuff. It's just like the you know the bummer part about that is that that you used to come out like like an, and this is all for the sake of safety. So. Yeah. I'm a big safety guy, 100%, get it. But man, you used to come out of the carousel and click fifth. Like on a 750 Supersport bike, it was like fifth, breathe the throttle, and then go back to flat, you know, through that section. And if you got it right, man, it was like, I set pole there last year, they, they had that, that configuration for the 750 race. 
and it was man that was one of my like 125 250 or flat through there just tucked in just balls to the wall and I'm like I don't know you know I, I grew up a willow right and so yeah anytime was it was fast that. it was like yes and so uh, yeah I, I like that you know but they, they did they did a good enough job I guess with the chicane you know but it is what it is and of course you know everything being perfect they could have filled in that ravine back there and then gave us enough runoff but you know the world's not perfect and so you gotta, you gotta deal with what you got but now I'm pumped they're, they're invested in the track and they, they repaved it so we'll see I think there's gonna be some blistered tires and some fast lap times yeah lap so. records are gonna fall huh they keep falling <laughs> anyway the way Gagne's riding dude they're gonna keep falling yeah well I mean looks like Bobier's back too right so yep and you we'll got a guy. Goes. You you got a got you a got guy. a bullet in the chamber. Yeah, we'll get right? to that. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. All right, dude. So let me pause just for a second because like I've got a whole bunch of comments here, and I'm gonna get lost in it if uh, yeah. I just let it go. Um, there's a couple of people. Uh, Daniela talking about her two up ride at Laguna yeah. with you. Um, let's see. With Suzuki pulling out of GP, are you guys like how are you guys continuing? With, like, is what's the deal with Suzuki? There's a few Suzuki questions, like you know, what's it like being the superbike effort for Suzuki in the U.S. Like, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shotgun blast with you, and I'll let you pick it up. We can go. We can we can go the Suzuki thing first because there's yeah, a lot of misconceptions the about thing. that. Let's talk you know, about there's, that. There's, there's a ton of misconceptions about that kind of thing, right? Yeah, they pulled out a MotoGP. Yeah. Okay, great. They're saving themselves. I don't know what what the the KTM guys said. You need seventy million to be at the front. So I don't know what their budget was, but I'm going to guess that it was somewhere around there. So and, and and they're going to make EVs and all that stuff. You know, I think I just saw a report they're going to have eight EV bikes. So look, they're going to do what they're going to do to sustain their company. That's Suzuki Japan. Right. So Suzuki US is racing. You know, and you see that with with HEP racing on the Supercross side, and you see that with my uh, with my family's racing team, uh, Team Hammer Inc. in the U.S. So yeah, it, they're they're racing, and their U.S. Suzuki is supporting racing. Um, you know, is it is it the, at the same budgetary level as it was you know a few years ago? No, but. The good thing for for Team Amber Inc. <laughs> my family's racing organization is that um, from day one when the team was was created, we had to go find the money. So right. you know, in the '80s it was Chevron, and then you know we got our first Suzuki deal in '86. So Chevron, and then it was Valvoline, and then when Valvoline, you know, ended their ten-year relationship with us. Then it was M4 Performance Exhaust, and then yep. it was Geico, and then it was Monster, and then it was pick the company, right? Now it's Vision right. Wheel, M4, Xstar, and Suzuki. Yeah. So it, it's you know, you know, on, on top of that, we do we man, we do a lot of stuff like from bike sales to program sales to sponsorship sales. Yeah. And so you know, once you get done with all that that effort and what you do, right? Then you have a pot of money and you go racing. You know, but you got to have a, you know, these days you got to have a diverse revenue stream and in terms of that stuff. And, um, you know, 
it, it, it pays to have that because when when the, the bean counters show up and slash your budget, you know, uh, that means you continue racing instead of uh, packing it in. Yeah. Which is what happened I mean, to our predecessors. So, like, here's a comment. Um, you know, multi-bad base, he always comments on the on this. And um, he, he says he's read some articles about Suzuki stopping production of the GSX-R1000. Is that true? And do you know when that's going to happen, if it happens? Or? Uh, I don't know. It depends on are they in Europe or in the U.S. Because, I mean, they're, they're not sending the thing to Europe because of the Euro 5. So. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, look, Yoshimura... CERT, right, or CERT Yoshimura, however that is. So Yoshimura Japan, not yeah. Yoshimura USA, R&D in the U.S., Yoshimura Japan and Suzuki Endurance Racing Team in the Europe are, are contesting the, the Endurance World Championship on a factory bike. Right. So that, that program still exists, but they're funding their sponsorship. So um, I don't, you know, it's obviously going around. I, I'm not, you know, I don't know, I don't know that part, right? They're not selling the 70, like the... You know, the next gen 750 project so there's yeah. going to be two of them one of them, one or two of them on the bsb grid and uh, but okay. you know they can't import the damn bike to, to to england because they don't sell a thing so uh there's some challenges there on that but you know um yeah they're still racing they're still producing motorcycles they're still alive you know and they're still pumping i mean dude look look at hell look what uh Roxen's done for that rmz 450. It's like, no, oh, the no, bike's a pile one. of shit. No, it's not. <laughs> Just interchange the rider. Right. You know, the thing's pretty solid, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just, uh, you know, man, racers are a fickle bunch. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. well, consumers yeah. are too. But look, there's still, we have support, you know? We have ample support. If we weren't doing it, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't be doing it. And, um, um, you know, our... Technically, on the technical side, our, our, our situation has actually improved, so, you know. Right on. Yeah. Right on. All right, well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold the 750 thing because I want to talk about you, your uh, finding time to be a fucking talent scout, too. Like, you're... Mm. Uh, you just got to pay attention. Yeah, like, how do you... You know, you're, some, your team somehow always finds these young kids to just come yep. out and murder everybody like that you know how yep. and you've been consistently doing that forever so so like look um you know my dad's a former racer so yeah. like when he when he when he saw schwanz so you know we we, we had a pretty big hand in schwanz getting over to yoshimura to and and help that right and yeah uh, my father did. I didn't know. I was four years old. Um, right. So, um, like, he's riding around an endurance race and comes up on this crazy kid on FJ600 and, you know, feet falling off the pegs and hauling ass. And he was a lot harder to lap than all the rest of the guys. And he kind of started paying attention to him. And then all of a sudden, it's like, shit, you know? So, um, it's kind of, he's always had a good eye. And, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't think, like, uh, like I, I'm not, I'm not old enough to. I'm not, you know, I didn't see him race at that level when I was when he was racing big bikes. Or I saw I raced against him on 125 when he came back to race. But you know, I don't think he was the the most talented guy, but he was pretty damn solid and and methodical and thoughtful about things and had a good approach. And so, um, 
when you're that, when you're not a talent, which I'm, I'm flat out, I'm not a talent. Like I'm a, I'm a worker. I will work. You know, I work. I worked at it. I worked at racing my entire life. I wanted to do it so bad. I worked at it. You, you develop a skill set that's that's a little bit different, right? And you can kind of see things and see mechanics. You know, like yeah. So it's just you kind of. I can see it. I can see what they're doing on the motorcycle. I can see what their attitude is. You know, you can see the stuff that's going on. And from the first day, like I showed up the race of YSR 50 at Imago or something. Was that my first race? No, Adams. But anyway, I'm Hawkins was already there hauling ass, you know? And dude, he had it. You can see, you can see it from the get-go right then and there. It wasn't just some, you know, weird... You know how some kids come in and like they haul ass when they're really young and then they get to the pros and they kind of peter out? Yeah, like when uh, one big crash and then they're like, well, yeah. that's it. Yeah, okay, I'm out, this hurts. No, yeah. it was like, dude, he had it. He had the balance. Same thing, you could watch like Bobier when he came over here. We came back in 2011. I spent a fair amount of time on the couch because I broke my back that year. So um, I'm looking at that and I'm watching Road America and I'm going... But just looking at what the way he's moving on the bike and what he's doing, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I had, a I had the pleasure of having uh, Cam Bobier at my track day. His dad brought him out. Um, I want to say it was like a 250 two-stroke, I think. And um, it's his first big bike track day, apparently. And all of a sudden, third session of the day, everybody was like, "Who the fuck is that little kid on the?" Yeah, no. So, um, Benny Solis too, you know. Solis was good, you know. Not like he. I don't know, man. He, he was good, all right. And like, I mean, hell, I know Ben. There's Ben Senior for. I used to race fifties against Ben Senior. Him and yeah. Rolando. He's like the. Uh, hey, I pork chop. I, mean, I can't. Like. I can't say that joke anymore. They call themselves, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they. Um, you know it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, of course I do. <laughs> well, knowing, knowing them, knowing those two, I mean, I, I know Rolando got hurt, but, you know. Yeah. Um, but Ben, um, man, he was brave, dude. <laughs> ben was brave. Um, anyway, Benny got to a level and then kind of, you know, um, couldn't take the next step. Um some guys do that, but I mean, he was still fast, really, really fast. But he just couldn't, couldn't make the next, the next deal, and then whatever petered out. Or you know, a lot of guys too get sucked into this European dream, which is cool. But um, you know, you look at the guys that had to. We're gonna get in the weeds again. Um, you look at the guys that that did the European dream. Let's say we went Red Bull rookies, yeah. right? And yeah. then won the Red Bull rookies and probably should have been placed on a proper team, but then got spit back to the U.S. like J.D., Gagne. Right. You know, they lived the dream. They, they chased that. Like, Sean Dillon Kelly was the same kind of deal, right? He, he went over there to the Red Bull Rookies Cup, did three-year project, and then actually Peter Clifford told him to call us when he was done. You know, we, we were already, he was already on our radar, though. We were, you know, you can... You know, he, you pay attention, right? So he's over there running yeah. a rookie. So he, he wins that junior, that KTM thing in whatever year. And it's like, okay, he, this is also the magazine thing kind of comes into play because I get all these stinking emails in my inbox and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Looking at results and, and looking at the website, right? Okay. I'm like, oh, that kid was hauling ass. Okay, you know. So 
you know, you just put your radar out, right? You just, just okay, I'm paying, I'm paying attention to mini racing right now, and I'm paying attention to, pay attention to everything, right? And, and you can see who's doing what, how quickly they're getting to the front. You know, there's a couple things that are going on here. And, um, yeah, you just, just got to kind of know what you're looking at. Um, I just and, wonder how you find the time with all the rest of the shit that you do to continue uh, scouting. Yeah. But it seems like it's like, oh, well, it's just right there because the magazine helps with that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that helps with the information coming in. I pay attention yeah. to com all the time. I'm, I'm living in it. You know, proofreading the magazine, doing it's 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 everything. So you kind of put that puts them on the radar, and then then you go, okay, let's see. Even before that, though, if you go to a race and you're watching races, and I, I pay attention to the other races that are going on, you know, if I um, I pay attention to other races that are going on. So whether it's Twins or, or Junior Cup, and see who's winning what, and how they're how how the gap is, you know, where they're at, and how their yeah. operation is, and, and and knowing what their equipment. So on on the domestic side, that's what's going on. But I'm also you look at the you know whatever North Americans are doing what over in, in Europe right now in Spain and, and, and paying attention to what those guys are doing because obviously from the magazine standpoint we want to promote that but on top of that it's it's like okay how's this you know rooting for the home team you know whether they're Canadian or they're, they're American so it's um, yeah you just gotta you gotta pay attention you can't have blinders on and that's how you're gonna yeah. do it and, and you know look everybody in the grand scheme of things, like everybody, I, I get people like, oh, you know, you're lucky I told you about that guy. It's like, dude, bullshit. You don't know what you're talking about. So it was, I trust my gut on that thing. I, there's a lot of guys that think they know what they're looking at, which they might know a couple couple of aspects on that, but it's like, mm, yeah, I saw this, this, and this. It was like, oh, man, I'm not sure about that, you know, but the, the real ones, you just talk about the Hopkins or the Spees or or Ty Scott or Sean Dillon Kelly and all that stuff. It's like, yeah. I mean, Sam Lockoff. Sam Lockoff's an extremely talented kid. He's very, very good, you know? Um, yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, I, I saw that you uh, made an announcement, and there's a different writer. Or is Sam yeah. Lockoff still part of the team, or? Uh, that's up to Sam Lockoff to figure out. <laughs> no, no. Um, that's a bad way to put that, damn it. Um, <laughs> No, I, I mean, mean our, lineup, our lineup's solidified, right? So Sam yeah. wants to do what Sam wants to do with his life, and that's yeah. up to Sam. So, you know, very, very talented motorcycle racer. Um, you know, love working with him, love working with his dad. Uh, led him to his first, you know, gave him the platform to get to his first race. So he has to figure out what he wants to do with, in general, in the grand scheme of everything. Yeah. And then, you know, he wants to come ride for the team. That's cool too. So there you go. Um, uh, yeah, like, but very, very. He's he's talented. You know, he's got some a bit raw. He came to racing very late, so he was. But you can see the way he moves on the bike and the way he operates, right? But he doesn't have a good education because he came so late, and his family isn't from motorcycling. Right. But he has like the baseline feel, the touch. Um, Tyler's a little bit different. He's comes from racing. He's freaking intense. Yeah, he you know. ruined everybody when he was on that KTM 390. Yeah, yeah. Right. Intense, intense, man. Like, go shake that kid's hand sometime, dude. Oh, dude, I, I've, I've been oh. in the pits. He comes up, like, all those kids yeah. come over talk to Jake Gagne all the time, right? Yeah. 
so you know it, it was impressive to me listening to that kid because he was so switched on yeah he's on and he um he was really motivated to um take it to the yeah two bike yes I'll just put it that way we have lots of discussions about this um <laughs> Yeah, so, but I mean, motivated, and I think uh, in his second year, one year under the belt, we made some changes with his program, and, um, you know, we made some changes. Bike's a little bit better, so we'll see. And the yeah. other the other super sport guy, I think I remember him on an SV. Yeah. A couple of years ago. He's the last guy to win a, he's the last guy to win a Twins Cup race on SV. Yeah, and he was yeah. a Robum guy last year, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it seems like a so, good fit. You've been watching that guy um, Yeah, his people came to me, and they, they we, we know him. You know, a lot of those guys from the NMRA, and so is, is, I guess his people, but, you know, he's got this, this core group of supporters as far as that goes. And, and yeah. came to me and wanted to, you know, in terms of the, the, the program, right, and the way my approach to management and the approach to, to working with, with young guys, you know, and the personalities match up pretty well. So I think we can do something pretty well with him. I, you know, his, his, his twin, so his Twins Cup success, right, came on a Team Hammer built SV650. Right. And so, delivered the bike in 2020, and this is a, this is a, this is a thing that happens with bikes to get delivered, especially with teams that aren't, don't necessarily have the experience, right? So they get the bike and then they have some dude that wants to change the planet, right? Like, no, 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 we do this. Like, well, hey, look, but Yeah. Moss won on the, that bike last year. Rocco's winning on it right now. How about we just try it the way it is? Read the see directions. how it goes. Read the directions, okay? And then get back to me, right? Right. And when they would read the directions, it was straight to the front. <laughs> when they didn't, didn't work out as well. So it's yeah. you know it's like, look, man, I'm not not talking because I like to hear my sound in my own voice. So right, right. I mean, look, you know, you, you, your super sport program is a threat every year. Yeah. Like it has been for years. Doesn't matter who the fuck you have riding it. No, dude. Like, look, that, that thing's team. been our fucking bread and butter. Like, oh, like flat out. Like, we, this is funny because everyone runs their mouth about this, but so you go like back to the, yeah, we always had the race, the support classes, kind of like Richard did, you know, yeah. Stambouli too, right? Because they had the factory team, then they had us. Yeah. And, and the other support teams. So you go back to like the 750 Super Sport stuff, you know, we're racing plenty of guys, but we were also racing 600 Super Sport, clattering with, with, with the front runners on Michelin's at the time. Yeah, um, and then Pirelli's, right? And then we then we did it on Pirelli's too. One Super yeah. Stock Thousand races, beat the factory guys, you know, blah, blah, blah. So in that, in that type of racing, dude, we I'll take the Pepsi Challenge, go toe-to-toe -to -toe any, any day of the week. Yeah. Um, and so we go to 08 and dude we're maybe it was 07 i don't know but we're whooping the shit out of all the yosh guys on their 600s and they quit yeah. the class you know and it was like they answered to the boss the boss answered to the other guy and he's like well why can't we do this so because we can't cheat it's like dude we got torn down more than anybody because of the last name right. so we didn't get the cue for shit yeah. You know? Anyway, they won more Superbike championships. I can't talk too much shit, but you know, in that category. I mean, look, I, you know, you're. Uh, I I used to say this. I was like, dude, I don't know how the hell you guys do it, but like your Suzuki 600s yeah. are faster than anybody's 600s in the world. In, yeah, in the Suzuki. they are. I, I go to Europe. I, I and people know, would ask me that. I don't know what kind of barbecue sauce Keith Perry's throwing on those things. It's, it's Wits barbecue, buddy. 
Actually, oh, yeah, there's Big right? Bob Gibson's. Big Bob Gibson's the cater, so I guess there's a big. There's a big. I, know, I learned this when I moved here. The big rivalry between those two, whatever. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'll tell you, they, we don't have any good Mexican food here, though. No. It's <laughs> shit, man. It's barbecue like is legit. Barbecue is the yeah. Barbecue is legit. Clearly. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, because we lived it. We lived it every day, and we tried yeah. everything, and even up until 2019, like between 2018 and 2019. Um, you know, 17 to 18, the rules changed, right? So we went back to the spec that we had been using to win, like, like oh, one of the 11, 11 and 12 championships using that that kind of spec with different gas. So, and we figured a couple things out with um, with the fuel. We're actually running. We we do a few things for Daytona that uh, to help the bike live. And came back and went, man, you know what? Let's try the spec with the spec fuel. We're like, oh. Hmm, found something. So then we rolled out like from 18 to 19, and the thing was a fucking missile. They took yeah. our cams at the first race. You know, they thought we yeah. were using. It's it's pretty interesting because this. Um, they thought we were using using some some other model year cams, so they confiscated our cams. The cam doctor them and came back, and they were illegal. I mean, we got torn. We were in tech 19 times in 2019. Dude, when we when we transitioned from uh, talk about tech stuff. 08 to 09, right? So we go from having Pirellis, and and that was before the Pirelli guys really figured everything out, right? And they were, we we're coming, but the longevity thing still wasn't there with the Pirelli. And so we go 08 to 09, and we got Martin Cardenas riding for us, who's another ripper, right? That's another guy that we found. And, and the way we yeah. found Martin was, I'm racing him, and he's on a clapped-out ZX-10, and I'm watching him going, oh, my God, he's going to kill himself. And I'd actually raced him in 04, too, on some 600 stuff. And it was like, dude, we got to get that guy. Because he wasn't doing nothing. And uh, someone, who got hurt? Barney got hurt. Anyway, we found an opportunity to put him on a bike. And then he, he ended up riding for us from 07 until 2012 before he signed up for Yosh. Um, so, anyway, uh, 08 to 09. 08, we won one 600 Super Sport race with Blake Young. And yeah. that was, we led, we could lead them, we could beat everybody, except for one guy, right? Whether it was hacking in, on the Cowies or Roger or uh, you name it, right? And um, 09 comes around and Martin runs seven or eight races. Like, they go to, they go from Pirelli, you know, like the Pirelli deal was a pretty good deal for us because they were paying us and we got bonuses and we got 900 tires a year. So that was like... The swing on that thing when we went spec tire was yeah. a couple hundred, three hundred K, right? So it was right. pretty pretty gnarly. But on the plus side, um, dude, Martin won, I want to say eight races. I mean, it's 09, so I have to go look it up, but a lot of races. And that, yeah. that year, when it went from, oh, all of a sudden that, that M4 Suzuki's sitting in there winning everything, it was like they measured, they took our wheels and they measured the holes in the wheels to make sure we didn't lighten them. They took third gear one time. They took the head. They took some bullshit. And it was, you know, at, at some point it was like, Ludington was running tech and it was like, come on, dude. Really? The, you basically, they say you guys create every month, every round. Yeah, yeah, fuck it, right? And then, then, then they, they finally gave up, you know, because they, they couldn't find anything legal. So, but, you know, just the thought of, of, of that, uh, I don't know, maybe it was just the thought of us winning or, or just the, the surprise of now, you know, we're ultra competitive, whereas before we were just podium guys, you know, podium, ultra competitive winning. Yeah. 
Right. You know, and the um, you know, I mean, Essek won on that Buell that year, and Essek wasn't a guy that was rated before that year. You know, and everyone right. pissed him on about that Buell, but hell, I rode that thing. It wasn't. It was nothing, nothing to chime home about. Right. And then Essek won the thing in 2011, and then Cardenas won it in 2012. So obviously, we're doing something, right? Right. And um, then we switched to Honda. So that was that was that was another one of those. Um, well, it was a short-lived. Yeah. Honda, right? yeah, it was it was business, you know, we, we had the Geico deal going, um, it was kind of a good fit between the Geico, you know, because they were super crossing us, but also Suzuki had its own problems, so right, they were, they were filing bankruptcy, um, yeah. kept waiting, we had to make some decisions, we kept waiting and waiting and waiting for that, hey man, where's our, where's our contract, hey, what's going on, we gotta do something, and we signed it, you know, it's like, okay, he ain't calling us back, we're going... We're going racing on Hondas. So, man, you know, that thing, that thing had an auto renew for 15, and we blew past all the dates because no one was paying attention. So we found out that opportunity to go back to Suzuki. Right on. So, right on. So, okay, so that's the Super Sport team. What's going on with the Superbike program? Oh. Uh, I mean, being well, real, like, Tony. you guys, you, you guys kind of came out swinging in 20. You had Bonger and yeah. Tony. Right, nope. um, nope. Tony was kind of up and down that year. Um, Fonger was really strong when he was yeah. upright. Um, yes, you when know, he wasn't. He was. It was either really good or really bad. Yeah, but so, you know, like he was good. He was brave. He, he was hungry. No problem. So, yeah, Tony was good. Um, learned some things. Went faster than the guys that had the bikes before. Twenty one too. Also was was not so bad. I think. That the planet didn't didn't uh, expect Jake Gagne to pull his thumb out, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, flat out. I think even even, you know, Fonger Fonger started the season pretty strong. He got hurt though, you know, got yeah. a little bit banged up. Cam he had the hand was more, thing, right? Yeah, he had the hand thing and all that. Cam was more steady, right? And by the time the end of the year, I mean, Cam won won at Barber. You know, he was on pole with a twenty three seven or six. I mean, he hauled ass at Barber. Yeah. At the end of the year. And so, you know, actually, and then we went testing. We, were, we had every intention to, to, to you know, because there was some, some weirdness, I think, with, with going on with the TAC, too, or one bike or two bike or whatever. But um, we were late. They were, we were late getting a, a, a very, very key deal done on that particular deal. And uh, that allowed the, the Yamaha guys to sort Cam out. So I was like, okay, great. So who are we going to get, you know? Um, yeah. We we had a big, a pretty long list, uh, you know. In hindsight, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? We probably should have probably probably should have kept Fong on that one. Um, we'd signed Escalante to go Super Sport Racing, and we had another couple guys that we lined up to do that. Um, actually, one being Wyman. And uh, the big problem was the King of the Baggers thing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, dude, the King of the Baggers deal was. People are getting paid over there very, very good money. Yeah. It's, dude, you got to make Stupid money. Like yeah, stupid here. money. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, look, we signed, uh, you know, did a contract with Richie to race Supersport, to pay to pay Richie to race Supersport. And uh, we kind of looked around and went, fuck it, <laughs> put him on a Superbike. Yeah. And then the, the next guy was Jake. And um, You guys had worked you know, with Jake before. Yeah. Yeah, he was my guy. He was my pick, actually. Like we, me and my old man, kind of had our. It's an interesting dynamic, right? It's like, okay, this, you have your guy, I have my guy. Okay, cool. You know, right? And then, 
I think he's still rubbing it in my face about that this year. Actually, he is. We talked okay. about some stuff the other day. He's still rubbing it in my face. Fair enough. Hey, dude. That's <laughs> true. Um, yes, so... And look, it's it's kind of the same program. So um, Cam Peterson didn't have a ride for, for uh, t 20, right? Yeah. And I, I happened to sit behind Robbie Peterson at, at the Supercross. And, yep. you know, I mean, it's Robbie Peterson, dude. Yeah. Cam told me the whole thing. I, I podcasted yeah. him uh, yeah. he, after he signed the deal. And it was like, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I sat behind him, you know, sat behind uh Robbie and you know of course start talking to Robbie because like, dude he used to race 500s in the U.S. when I was 10 years old walking around I, I got a seat signed by him and Rich yeah you know, 250 and 500 seat so it's like you know this guy's one of my uh, he's, a, he's a colleague right but he's yeah. you know lots of respect in terms of the racing point right nice guy yeah and so you know we're all talking and he's talking to Van and we're talking about stuff like, hey man what's Cam doing and he's like nothing I'm like oh and I've been talking to George at Altus, and he'd been telling me his list of guys. And I was like, I mean, "We, you know, we, we supply technical support and motorcycles and engines to those guys, uh, to Altus." And so it's it's a de facto farm team. Um, and um, I was like, his list. I didn't want to really, honestly, I didn't want to work with any of the guys he had on his list. I was just kind yeah. of, ah, I don't know about that guy. You know, no, no. Hey, this guy's available. I called George, <laughs> sitting behind Robbie, and handed the phone number over to him, and then the rest was history. And then, of course, he did a, a very good job, and we, we took him um, took him to us, and then then um, you know it worked out. Well, look, look, I'm, I'm pumped for for Cam. He's making a living racing pretty, motorcycles, pretty he's pumping ass. To see him he's, win he's, that yeah, barber, dude. Like right? you can't not be. Uh, I, I know the the struggles of the family. I know the struggles of Cam. Super yeah. pumped. Like, you know, the, the big thing I think a lot of people don't understand about me and my old man, um, like, we, we're racers at heart, and so at the end of the day, you know, if one of our boys goes off, yeah, great, we missed that opportunity, but he's off having success and earning 11 racing motorcycles, and that's it's right. very, very difficult to do in the U.S., and it's very difficult to do in, in Europe, and so, Awesome. That's, I'm, I'm very, I'm pumped for him. Um, and so, uh, anyway, uh, you know, so that that happened, right? So we signed him for 20, 21, did a pretty good job, got him up to speed by the end of the year. Um, and then obviously I opened the door over there and, and we were too late to get the deal done. No problem. Um, okay, so what's left? So so we kind of look at the same program as, as that happened. So Jake did a very similar performance lap time, lap time wise results wise you know everything once i mean they had some mechanic issues in which they, they clipped all the idiots and got a good guy over there um <laughs> they um you know his his results improved dramatically and so anyway we put him on the bike and you know so that was that was great right you know whoever sits on that bike uh this year if they do a good job um overall this will be strongly considered for for something next year you know you got to look at it right um it's got to drive George crazy. Oh, <laughs> like every time mind. he gets a good dude, you come in and take him. <laughs> he knows the deal. Yeah, he does. I'm sure he does. No, but, you know, we, we, we help him quite a bit. Um, so, so with your with your superbikes, yeah, anyway, are you, are you so, like... Um, yeah, it didn't work out, basically. Yeah. Are, with the superbikes, are you... Um, 
like are you building a lot of this stuff in house like what do you like are you sourcing the like the swing arms and stuff oh god the swing arm thing's a pain in the ass um yeah look there's there's some options um you know we made our own we made our own right with nick nick when we started the well, yeah when we started the project I contracted Nick and, and me and him went about man I've learned a lot of stuff about swing arm design by the way yeah yeah it's right. pretty fun um and then kind of went after the suitor suitor part um a lot of that stuff was in the first year was driven by Tony and the way he wanted the linkage design and the way he wanted the linkage and and, and all that stuff and that linkage system's a bit different but was a bit new for us at the time which I understand I understand. What, what the advantages of all are, but especially the, within the um, the way it builds pressure back uh, quickly and all that stuff. And so, you know, kind of went down that rabbit hole and, um, yeah, I think the suitor's pretty darn good, right? And, you know, you got, you got different, you got different opinions from different guys within the program, but generally the, the, the construction of it and and the information we can get for it's pretty pretty good so we got that that option and then we got another one that's a little bit easier over the bumps that that um that we manufactured um i think we have three different stiffnesses on that one um all made out of 6000 series so the suitor 7000 series hmm. i don't know thought about trying to figure out how to get that stuff that stan bully makes his shit out of and and, and do one but I don't, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather 6,000 is easier to work with. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't want to be making stuff out of 2,000 series. Anyway, it, it is what it is. You know, like, look, I think the thing, we've made some improvements to the swing arm. We've made some improvements to the bike. Um, yeah, we, we, you know, everything, the engine spec is built built by us, right? And And... And all that the electronics are are you know s- systems that we inherited and Morelli right yeah um, and um, you guys running the latest builds on that stuff uh, I don't think so I mean inside yes but the outside no okay so okay. Um, well, I got a couple of Stamboli questions for you fuck you knew it was coming dude you know like, I knew it was fucking coming come on man you you asked like you know it's fun it's fun I like watching when he's on because a big big ass picture of me is behind him behind his head on his right. on his GP bike right yeah, yeah I mean it, it's it's uh, so he's got two questions actually so he says uh, you know Tony Tony Elias podiumed on the R one first time out on the thing right yeah so you know with your program the way it's been for a minute um, what are you guys gonna do differently with your bikes to put Tony and Richie uh, in a place where they can be uh, competitive against, like, what seems to be shaping up as a super competitive series yeah. this year. You know, um, Cambobier coming yeah. back, and, you know, obviously uh, PJ Jacobson's looking good. Yep. You know, hungry. Um, hungry. Westby is always right there. Campy yep. is, you know. Another hungry a, guy. Yeah. Yeah, so, Schultz, a hung- so look, we're, we're looking at the engine. So we, we got a new engine spec we're going to work on. Um, you know, obviously we got some upgrades to the inside of the ECU. And those got rolled out at Button Willow. Um, and generally we're looking at swing arm stuff and and um, trying to make sure he doesn't get too far outside the window, which I think Richard understands that. I that's that's the next uh, question yeah. on that. We know <laughs> we know about that. Yeah. 
Like, so. uh, basically, he says, uh, Tony has very specific demands. Yes, he wants he it does. firm, no pitch. Uh, do you have a but how, plan? But how do you how do you how do you how do you create grip though? You add pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I guess uh, basically what you're saying is you have a plan to address uh, those specific demands that he has. Yeah. Well, how do you approach that? What fun. <laughs> Uh, very carefully. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I look. I, I I saw what was going on with Tony in um, in the other truck, right? And yeah, look, look, he, he's, yeah. he's very particular, but like yep. when he's on, he's on. Okay. Yeah. And he he's rides capable the bike. of winning, dude. Like, I, I think the situation for Tony's different now, too. You know, so and like, I'm looking forward to another swing at it with him, and um, it's interesting, right? It, it's you. Know, Man, the whole way that thing kind of came down, right? It's kind of like uh, it's an interesting thing. So it it's. Uh, I think you and I described it the other day as weird. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. Different than most. So, like, we had a list of superbike guys, okay, and and there is one a very high at the top of my list. His his name happened to be. You know, Bobby, but um, yeah. uh, you know he for uh, you know I think he was working out my stars at the time, and, and I don't think he'd go racing. Okay, so great, you know, whatever. Um, talked talked a little bit about some stuff, but might have been some bagger things going on too. That that um, the, the bagger thing just preclude. I can't I can't do it. Right, I can't. Um, okay, great. So we started talking to Barbara, and that that went sour pretty quick. And then we're kind of standing around going, fuck, what do we do? Okay, you know, let's roll the dice on, on a young guy. Talked to a few young guys. And um, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a, a ride that we pay them money. We give yeah. them money. It's not like you pay us money. It's like, hey, bud, money will come into your bank account every month. You have a bonus program. You can earn a living racing this bike. Talked to a couple, two, two young guys. And um, the response from their individuals was pretty fucking mind blowing. Because at my age, if someone offered me a super bike, it would have been like, when will the contract be in my email? Right. But it now was they're like, all oh, I, I have to go talk and I have to do this. Are you fucking mm -hmm. kidding me? Yeah, I'm not naming it. It was two, it was two different ones. Not naming wow. names. Um, then uh, no, no, we had no. another name names. No, I'm not. I'm fucking. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm gonna what? get a text message from your dad right now if you do. <laughs> you probably will get a. I'll just say one, a, one, one, yeah, one run for Shivey last year. But anyway, um, okay. It was just interesting. Okay, and so yeah. Um, okay, screw it. Okay, great. We'll do something else. And. Um, third this is a third young guy and we talked to his agent and it was like yeah let's go okay and we're like okay good <laughs> i go to the shop between the time i go to the shop and i'm supposed to write the contract i get a phone call from suzuki and i'm like hey tony tony's you know tony called tony called uh, the vp 
Are you guys interested? Do you have anybody signed? No, we don't have anybody signed. Okay, great. Talk to my dad, and we talk about this talk over, and it's like, look, they asked us to do this. We have to do this. We have to, we have to consider this, this option. Uh, one thing led to another, and then the contract was issued and was signed. Nice. So it, it, was, it was pretty interesting because, uh, you know, look, man, we all know he's a, he's a badass. Yeah. He's an absolute badass. So if he's turned on, if he's switched on and we can give him what he wants, it's going to be great. You know? So, and it's our job to sort it out. And also, you know, Tony's coming back. I mean, I, I got a couple of people commenting similar things. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the last guy the credit for it. But Brian Green, you know, he's like, uh, maybe maybe Tony could be uh, somewhat of a mentor to Richie. Get him up the pace too, right? Or no? Yeah, I mean, Richie's going pretty good. His, his race, by the end of the year, last year, right, we kind of looked, we kind of, we knew that was going to be a tough task, dude, because you throw the guy yeah. in, he's never raced anything but a 600. And you, you look at the gap from the start of the year to the front to the gap at the end of the year to the front. Um, I mean, hell, race one before he pitched that thing away at Barber, he was right there at PJ and catching Petrucci. So, so that was good. In the second race, he picked the wrong tire, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, so I'd say for a rookie year, that that's pretty solid performance and that earns you your spot for the second year um right on you know and and you just look at the you look at the progression um you know and, and you give them another off season to figure out how to train because like, like there's a big thing a lot of people don't understand about superbike stuff right there's like fit and there's superbike fit and obviously like you see read some of the reports about Petrucci going to race that gp bike he's like i'm superbike fit but i'm not motor gp fit so right. there's another level beyond Superbike fit, um, man. There's there's a big wide. You, you get you get the last three four laps in a superbike race, and your eyes, are, you know, you're hanging off for dear life. You know if you're not if you're not really prepared. Um, so having having a season to understand that, and then go back into the gym and back in, and recognize you know change your cha training program so you can get to that point. You know that's going to help. Um, understanding the bike a little bit better and, and, and being more assertive with his crew and being more assertive with, with everything is going to help. Um, yeah. And I'm understanding too, you know, sometimes um, I mean, super bikes are big stiff bikes, right? So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be at or near, you know, top pace, right? Or else the thing's going to feel like shit. Yep. So um, that's, you know, that's something you got to learn. You can't just come back in and change the bike or just sit there for a minute and go go pull your thumb out of your ass and go ride the bike. So um, there's all things that, that make the first year, the second year, you know, a little bit easier. But, I mean, look, yeah, the guys are super competitive this year. It ain't something that I don't, you know, <laughs> I got eyes. I pay attention. Yeah. Obviously, we can see that. And uh, yeah. it ain't, uh, it's been giving me more gray hair, but I've been pushing the boys and we'll see how it goes. Right on. Are you guys gonna? You guys gonna do any of that? Like, let me rephrase that. Like, how are you? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on how the rules are now in Superbike? I mean, it seems like they're steering the bus closer and closer to World Superbike. Obviously, except their tires. Yeah. But um, you know, are you gonna? Are you gonna throw some of that neutral lockout thing on? No, the they don't make. One, they don't make one for my bike. Uh, they have to drill through the webbing or go through somewhere else to screw that. But. Yeah, we've looked at ratios. I have options. Obviously, Nova's got an option for a transmission. That one looks pretty good. Um, yeah. 
the other stuff I got that that, that those guys use over them. Um, Endurance Championship looks okay, you know. Yeah. Just it's, it's a you know you just got to put it in the bike and see what works. Right. I, look, look that 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 roll light. So if I go the Nova transmission route, right? So those things are twenty eight hundred pounds a piece. The current exchange rate that's roughly thirty five hundred bucks. It's thirty five times eight. Um, twenty eight grand. Yeah. Ish. Right. Yeah. So yeah, just fucking wipe twenty eight grand on fire for bullshit we didn't need. But anyway. Yeah. I digress. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean, look, I mean, it's a lot. Look, you know, as far as I, I've heard some comments on that thing too. It's it's really easy for some guys that walk down to the bank of whoever is funding their program, whether it's an individual or or. A, you know, whatever that that maybe in five years will be bored with it, or two years, or one year, or or whatever to go. I no problem, all right? Yeah, all right, cool. Well, dude, funny your programs out of the paddock in three years, and I'm still here. So you know, like like at one at one point, cost containment's gonna gonna become have to become a reality. You know, especially the way the OEM business continues in the U.S. and especially the attitude towards road racing, but. It is what it is. The group voted on it. I accept the group's vote. We'll move on down the road. But, you know, it is what it is. It's just money, right? Shit grows on trees. Uh, it's racing, right? I mean, uh, I'm being sarcastic, but I know. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Uh, you but, know, look, be real, you know, you know? It, it, it is. But, like, like, flat out, you know, it, it's... We didn't need it. You know, is it gonna? Well, I, I think it's. Uh, and, and, and look, I don't have to. I don't have to do it, okay? Right. But really, I have to do it because we're going racing, <laughs> okay? Well, yeah, dude, you, you don't have to do it. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I don't have to do it, but I'm doing it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's, and, and you know, look, that's 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 one way. Like I said, you go back to the start of this whole conversation. Earn OEM support, sell sponsorship, diverse revenue stream, go racing. So this isn't something that's coming out of the bank of JU because there ain't no bank of JU. It's called earn earn the results, earn the sponsorship, earn the support, go racing. It's not it's not coming from it's not coming from Trig Westby. It's not coming from Michael Kyler. It's not coming from from uh, the guys over at Ducati New York. You know, so it's not, it's, it's not coming from a. Uh Crown Royal money. Oh, right. those clowns! You mean clown, clown Royal? Are we gonna, are we gonna go down that thing too? I mean, you can if you want to. I, I was just. Hey, that's a circumstance of am hiring amateurs to run your racing program. Uh, all right, fair hey, enough. Dude. I mean, where are those guys know, at? I mean, look, I. I predicted those guys were going to be in and out, like you said, like, oh, you know, be bored in three years and try yeah, something that, else. They had their tinfoil hats on the whole way out the door, dude. It was fun. Uh, you know, that, that deal. Um, I mean, like, you, uh, you want to name Porto America? Yeah, you want to you wanna, you wanna name the team or you want me to? <laughs> M4 to America? I yeah, guess. M4, M4 America. Yeah. Yeah, v victims, always victims. 
He's yeah. too busy bailing his sister out of jail after that Eesh. sex cult problem. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> what? And, you know, I, I, I saw that. On, I saw the link on Google for that. So, yeah, that's real. Um, yeah, yeah. That's real. But, you know, like you said, it was like somebody comes in with a bunch of money. They get bored and bail in three years. Yeah, they, yeah, they for sure. knew who you were talking but, about, I think. Um, uh, maybe not. Hey, they thought they were going to win the championship that year, and they ran into two problems, Team Hammer and Bobby Fong. Yeah. Like, look, dude, I already knew it. Like, And PJ, too, man. And PJ, too. So, like, this is funny. I tried to hire PJ that year. He turned me down to go do that other thing. Um, so, anyway, um, we we start to see. So, I'm looking at it, right? And I'm like, I see I see that whole thing. I see it laid down. So, so um, JD's going dirt track racing. And then going, you know, good thing that, that Esteson showed up and, and, and sorted that out for Richard and those guys because I think that led to Richard and the, sorting out the factory program. Um, so that was a good deal. But anyway, Esteson comes in, wants JD to do dirt track, then they do the superbike thing. So cool, they, they put that together. So because originally I thought I was going to have to race JD and, and Hayden on that on that team. And so I'm like, man, dude, Hayden's a bruiser, right? I'm like, man, he's, he's good. He's very talented, but he's a bruiser. Okay, I need someone that's gnarly enough to go toe to toe with this dude. So, yeah, and so I'm like, who can I get that's the gnarliest coop we got, right? And um, scrapper is what that dude is. Yeah, scrapper. And so I'm kind of like looking around. So I'm like, I want a dirt tracker. Okay, great. So like, I call PJ, and obviously, you know, it didn't work out. And and Bobby's been talking to Ju and, and over and over. And it's like, okay, yeah, let's get him. And the first race of the season they go down the front straight away bashing on each other and I'm like and Bobby wins the race and I'm like all right good sort that out and it kind of kind of went went you know just kind of it was an up and down for sure and those guys were tough but you know when when you're racing teams like that right that that think they can spend spend the planet and don't hire the right guys um you know, it. You get to the dog days of the season, and you and you start really turning the screws up, and you know, just kind of they don't like it. So yeah. But you know, look. And now they're gone. Yeah. So. You know, I mean, the good thing, a couple of those guys that come in, you know, the, the Tyler's guys, they hired some very, very good guys to manage that program. So that that was really smart. So I think that'll help help keep him around. Um, you know, I don't know the longevity of the Ducati guys. I hope they stay around. I mean, I hope everyone stays around. But um, it's nice having more competitive teams in the paddock. You yeah. know, having. I mean, those guys came on strong at the end of last season. Brand new bikes at the beginning of the season. They got their bikes yeah. super late, and what they were able to do was pretty impressive. Yeah. So now that they yeah, got some intelligent guys over there, yeah, right? it'll be interesting for sure. It's weird. I. I don't know if I've seen them make an official announcement yet. I don't understand what's going on there, but... They're, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you got your own shit to worry about. i got about, my right? own shit to worry about. Yeah. They can, they can announce their program whenever they want to, or not. So let's talk about, let, let's talk about the super sport rules a little bit. You know, you, yeah. you're doing, you're kind of like the, the head 750 dude in charge over there. Like, uh, so yeah. Um, right? Tell me a little bit about how that happened and what's going on with that thing. The inception of that, right? So, yeah. I, I, you know, going back to the magazine, this 
press release comes flying into the inbox and I read this thing about next gen 750 volts being rolled out and uh, at the BSB and being being experimented and they're going to mix all these different bikes MV, Yagusta, 800, Triumph 765, I think 636 was on that, R6. Yeah. I mean, that, that all stuff, like Yamaha Europe sets the spec and so like the, the horsepower spec, all that stuff is all, it's kind of some politics there, but Ducati V2, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, dude, I got to race all that crap. I want a 750 because <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Even with cams, like we got, we, we have Molly in the cam too for the 600. So even with cams, right, we can get this close to the peak that a next gen bike's coming out, but we can't make the torque. Right. And like the thing is on the limit. Like the valve train with that, with that cam in it is a 500 mile valve train. So that's, uh, miles that's a, that gets expensive. So that's like a two weekend, maybe a two race head. Right, and then maybe you got the bottom end for another two races. So, if you're looking at a program like mine, that's three engines every two races. You know, on the 600 engines, you know, yeah, OEM parts budget and all that other stuff. But still, dude, like at the end of the day, it's like we're talking. Damn, my math here. Was that nine rounds, two engines there? It's a lot of engines. I'm sure so. you have a spreadsheet somewhere. I, I could have a spreadsheet, yeah. So, yeah. anyway, so like, oh, great. So I got to be doing three engines every two races, right? So it's, you know, okay. Or um, we can go after the 750 thing. And so it kind of started, like, so I, I call it, like, I don't know, December 2020. And I'm thinking about it and going, okay, great. So I start the conversation, kind of look into it. Got the 3D printed ECU so I can figure out what to mount the thing. And then um, it, it kind of picked up pace like near the end. We started talking to Moto America. We had a meeting with them at, at Laguna and then started picking up pace. And then, you know, Suzuki was involved in all the meetings too. And it kind of just, I don't know, it snowballed, right? Because then they, they basically it said, hey, look, do you need. What 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 did it for me? Right, the factory agreed to to homologate the bike globally. But they they had a question before that happened, which was, hey, do we have to do anything with the ride by wire? And I said, oh no, we got you know we, we got that figured out. <laughs> I mean, we got the you know we, we got a source for that. We're gonna do that, and, and I was already pretty deep into into yeah. working with the supplier that we we're gonna do that with because I mean it's the same guy that built the superbike system for my. 2014, the ride by wire system for my 2014 Honda and then my 2015 Suzuki and my 16 Suzuki. So, you know, those bikes we converted the ride by wire through aftermarket blipper, blipper and all that stuff uh, using Morelli SRT. So, you know, it, it was out there. We had to do it differently, um, but it was out there. So I just figured, okay, great, let's do that. Okay. So we had the first prototype of the throttle body done by the end of November. You know, but the problem is the engine. The engine didn't. Engine didn't ship to Italy until mid-December or something for balancing. So basically, we had to go through. You know, we got the got the bikes to that. So we kind of op opened the engine up and had to kind of declare like, "Hey, this is where the engine is going to kind of be." And we really they gave us a target horsepower, and 
you know, everybody paying attention, right, that this was like the European target for horsepower and the U.S. target, like, it's a solid 10 off, you know. There's a bullshit factor of 10 horsepower in Europe. I don't know why that is. It's like, my, my R6 makes 140 horsepower. Bullshit, it does. Their dynos run downhill up there. Yeah, they must. They're running light. They're running light. Uh, running light. I, I don't know. But anyway, they're, oh, I got a 140 horsepower R6. No, you don't, dude. My championship winning GSR 600 from 19 and 21 made 122 horsepower. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, on my dyno. Your dyno might be. Less Results may vary on the yeah. dyno. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know. So you're the guy, you know. So, so yeah, I'm the guy. Yeah. Um, so we, we got the design done, you know, and I, I, I'm the global supplier for the ride-by-wire throttles. Um, okay. You know, it's a pretty cool system. We mount the thing up. You know, we just actually did a bunch of upgrades to it. Um, learning development process. Like this thing, in the perfect world, right, this would have been like built and torn on the start of 21 and just ridden on a racetrack somewhere like the entire year right but, you know why do that when you can do this um you know just due to due to time frames and all that stuff getting everything approved right it was boom boom <laughs> boom and you know from yeah. an, from concept to approval to on a racetrack and racing i don't know september to april wow so um you know, the good thing is, look, you can run a standard engine. Like, you don't have to open the engine at all. Okay. No, no big deal. You can take a standard engine, like, uh, loop power, standard engine, Altus standard engine, um, Carl Solstice standard engine. You know, the, the rules don't allow you to modify the engine anyway, right? But, you know, right. Uh, any, any, any good race mechanic takes their stuff apart and puts it back together anyway. Um, so... You know, look, we got the design, the ride-by-wire, it's, we take out the top plate and mount this little motor there. You know, we had to actually, they changed the, they changed the, the end calibration, so they have a new calibration for the, for the, the throttle plate, the mechanical part of the throttle plate, so, like, they can figure out if someone's messed with the linkages to, oh. to open the throttle more yeah. or whatever, so we had to change the, you know, we had to change some stuff to, no one was doing that stuff, but it was a, they changed the protocol for that coming in 23, which is like, okay. if the thing goes anywhere past whatever, hard stop shuts your ECU down. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, okay, we got, you know, they, they recommended a, a hard throttle stop on full open, and we had to do some stuff like that. We had to add a add an inductor, um, take some excess voltage out, uh, change the PID. We, we did a few different developments over the winter on that, so those are all actually throttle bodies are coming back in and getting distributed to customers now so um but yeah developed the wire wire system um had the wireless design so you know if you want want that system right you have to come to come to team hammer inc and purchase the, the system purchase the the throttle bodies um they also sell a, a wire loom that's currently three times the cost of what the solo should be because we have to manufacture them in small batch but once solo engineering catches back up and there's more of these things on the grid you know i expect them to actually make a wire loom so then the cost will come down you know that'll be 
It'll just be like a kit. It'll be like a kit harness. Yeah. Right. It'll be like a little kit, like a little kit, uh, maybe not even a couple grand, a thousand euros. I think I think the the Ducati ones are eight hundred or a thousand euros or something like that. I'm saying so like twenty five hundred ECU and harness, right? Like uh, ECU is nineteen fifty. The dash is nine hundred. So I mean, look if you look at an EM Pro, right? An yeah. EM Pro is sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred bucks. The the harness is eight hundred dollars. So I don't know what a Yamaha costs. So yeah, it should be somewhere around that, right? But unfortunately, the, the the big cost on the 750 is the wire loom and the, and the throttle bodies because the throttle body modification is 2150. Okay. You know, and and I lowered the the price came down this year because we have more people purchasing them and I was able to to, to chop 600 bucks off those things. So, you know, nice. globally on, on the deal. Um, I mean, it seems like that's it seems like that bike could be like yeah. a pretty significant bike to have in that particular pretty solid. class. The torque yeah. alone, right? I mean, I, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, like I said, the thing doesn't make any more power than a 600, but it, it has uh, a few foot-pounds more of torque. And, and there's a lot of complaints about that thing, right? Um, it's funny, at the end of the year, Heron was pissing them on about that thing all year. And they, they hauled them into the you know, the, the truck and showed them the dynograph layover between the 750 and the Ducati, and the things are dead nuts on. You yeah. know, and I, and I, you know, I, I did the homologation on the thing sent the engine you know i just sent in the, the last part of the process was getting a new dis the distribution file sent so we just sorted that out sent it yeah. back to the europe we got a new distribution file it's going to get distributed to all these guys that, that have these bikes and so um to, you know i got a good understanding of what's going on but i mean the way that thing works right is there, so they they send the engines over to this this uh, this chassis or this this engine dyno guy, right? And he and he gets all the engines and they they torque mapped all of them. Um, for my case, since we were doing this thing, you know, super quick, I had them do the do the reverse torque so we could build the maps that way, you know, because the back torque stuff, like doing that stuff, hard. Yeah. Um, and and it was already on the dyno, so <laughs> it was like, hey, sort this out too, please. Um. And um, so, you know, I think the report was a thing made close to what the Triumph made. So, you know, yeah. we're all in the ballpark. Perfect. So we picked the engine spec perfect. We, we, we did everything they wanted us to do. Easy peasy, right? You know, if yeah. the thing gets the World Super Sport spec and they need a little bit more power out of it, which I don't think they will, um, you know, there's down the road, there's always the option to put a head gasket in or something like that. But basically, you can take a standard engine and go racing. By the throttle bodies, you know, like I said, the, the wire limb's a bit expensive right now, but you know, hopefully with by twenty four or something, we have a we have a wire limb. We'll, we'll see one of those bikes. You know, Gilbert just announced his program today, and he's he's got uh, Owens on a twenty two from us. Right. Um, we're building a brand new twenty three for Gilbert right now. Um. Uh, another one of those guys got a got a twenty two. Um, Solstice has got a 22, then you got Disrupt guys are on a 750. I don't have anything to do with, with those guys, but those guys are, are having that same 750 from last year. So, um, but you, they got the throttle body thing from you. Yeah, right? they got the throttle bodies. Um, so, like, say a club racer guy that wants got to go national. 10 guys. Yeah. Say a club racer dude has a 750, wants to go nationals, mm -hmm. but he can't unless he's got your ride by wire thing, right? No, so, can't line up. Yeah. That's the next gen system. Yeah. yeah. So, so 
what's what's the what's the ballpark of that? Like you, I I'm like Joe Blow club racer dude, and I'm gonna grid my 750 up in the national, but I need your stuff. So like, what's what's the ballpark on that for the mod? Uh, it's 2150 for the mod, you know. So all I get, in, I, I get your no, no, no. Like I don't sell the dash. I don't sell the ECU. Like you okay. gotta go with oh, Motorsports okay. for that. I have nothing that, like, yeah. If 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 they had, they had options for us to become dealers, right? And then right. you know we make a hundred bucks or whatever whatever the shitty margin might be on that ECU. Right. Then yeah, for sure I'd sell the ECU. But no, if a, if a customer comes to me and goes, I want the whole kit. It's like, well, we can sell you a throttle body, which you which you absolutely need, right? And we have a wire limb that's for sale. That you can you can purchase, which will, um, and I, the, we also have another kit that you can that you can purchase with a tone rings, um, sensor mounts, because the thing needs wheel speeds, so you need aftermarket wheel speeds put on it. Okay. Um, the front and rear, and uh, for the engine brake strategies to work, and and then you know I don't know, so all in I think we've been doing a lot of math on this thing, Dustin. Probably should break up the calculator. I'm surprised grand. you didn't have your spreadsheet to share the screen. <laughs> oh no, I hate that spreadsheet. Um, um, yeah, I think you're looking ten grand once you buy the ECUs. I mean, there's a dash cover. I mean, the ECUs nine hundred. Or the the dash is nine hundred bucks, so you should probably buy a dash cover for it. So. Yeah, definitely buy a dash cover. If you have a dash cover is less ex less less expensive than the dash. The re yes. Dash cover, you know. Highly so. recommend dash covers. Yeah, I mean, dash covers I, you know, are good. Do you guys do? I mean, I, I learned a little bit. I have an I2M dash on my R1. Yeah. And, um, Did you smash yeah. it yet? Oh, 100%. I had to send it to Italy, and it was like expensive Dude, to fix. Fog, and I fogger. have a cover on it now. Yeah. Um, well, we had a cover. We had this really nice cover, right? And yeah. this is how awesome Bobby is. Fonger crashed one of those things, I think in turn five, I don't know, somewhere in New Jersey, right? And he managed to get the thing upside down and break it so gnarly that the that the um there was a chunk of the fairing stay that pierced through the plexiglass on the front of the cover, all through the plex through in through all the way down to the uh, dude, it was like proper. Like the thing went up and it was the best best dash destruction I've seen. Well, one of the things also I learned, uh, I learned this from Richard, but basically um, on the back of the harness that plugs into the ECU, yeah. um, the mine got that. damaged, not from like physically, it looked fine, but because Inside. the harness yank, yanked from the back of the mm -hmm. dash, it took part of the motherboard with it. Mm -hmm. So I was recommended to by Richard to cut the lock pins off the connector so if it pulled, it would just pull away. Yeah. So, you guys doing shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. What's the yeah. point of destroying shit? <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's yeah, only look, money, you're, right? You're cool. Yeah, it's only money, right? Oh my god. Yeah. You got All a right. tree out. You got a tree out back, huh? It's, it's a palm. Yeah, the one of those. Yeah, no. I'm I'm a broke ass dude. Like I'm scumbag over here club racing. Um, but yeah, like that stuff is, um, a, yeah. a lot of people are wanting to know about that 750 stuff. And the reality is like, 
you know, the myth of the mythical ten thousand dollar race bike are long gone. No, it's bullshit. Yeah, no, like like the the build sheet on a, on a seven fifty is like forty to forty five k, depending if you, you know, depending on the bike cost, right? Because right, I don't know what MSRP on a thing is is. 12 or 13k right you know, I should I should know that too but yeah like um, all in you're looking probably 40 grand plus yeah by the time by the time you do that and and so um, look in terms of the cost of electronics on that thing so you have the cost of electronics and that that's what you have and that's that's a that's a cost that's amortized that can be amortized across two to three seasons if you're not yeah. a crasher if you take good care of the wire loom you know, and it and the wireless has to be a little bit lower spec in terms of uh, the connectors, so you can use all OEM connectors. So it's you know you can OEM style connectors. You can't be using Auto Sports on it. I mean, the thing would be six or seven grand if you're using Auto Sport connectors on it. But right. um, OEM connectors, they're super easy to pin, unpin, and and, and fix, um, and they're they're readily available at, at you know whatever place you buy your connectors from. There's three or four different sources in the U.S. that are pretty solid and reliable. Um, so that, that's fine. So you can, you can get all that stuff and amortize that across two to three seasons if you're going to stay on the platform and do that many seasons. Yeah. Um, the big thing is, like, it, it takes the takes the cost of the engine out of the ca out of the equation because you don't have to crack the engine because you can't. Like, you're not. Right. You know, the engine specs the engine spec. You got to, dude. That's like stock cam timing. Like, here you go. Here's the engine. Like, we had an engine that we stuck in Liam Grant's bike last year that ran. We didn't open, and it ran from VIR all the way through Daytona CCS, race champion CCS, and the thing made the most horsepower of any damn bike we had. Worked fine, and we only took it apart because, well, we have to take to. it apart. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, it's end of the year, and you should rebuild all your stuff. So, and, and you know, the engine was fine when we were done with it, so... You can either you can either spend the, the money on the on the on the 750 electronics, okay, or you can go buy three R6 engines to do the season, or maybe four, depending on what right. the spec is and what the mileage is allowed. Because you know, you go back to what I was talking about the GSR 600, that was going to be three engines every two weekends. Yeah. So for a guy that doesn't have people in a shop building engines all the time, and a guy that doesn't have a parts allotment and doesn't have all this other stuff, right? You know, you got to pay retail for that. That ends up being, I mean, what's what's retail on an engine? A lot. Let's just say, you, yeah, you roll into Sam Bowie's place and it's like, hey man, Joseph, buy me an engine or build me an engine. Joseph, talk to you. Where's he? Yeah, why is he talking shit right now? Yo Joseph talks to me all the time. He he's he never looks at YouTube or all that shit. Like I, you know, he's not an internet guy. He's no. His internet is him pic posting pictures of him riding his stupid KTM. Doing wheelies. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, he's so... Probably, he's probably due for a new t-shirt by now. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, he probably wants a Road Racing World t-shirt, I'm guessing. Um, annual. Yeah, of course. All right, so you know what, man? Like, we're running long, so I'm just going to give you the last... I'll give you 10 minutes, and let's talk about uh, you being a safety guy... You know, and, and you were instrumental in helping me with the CRA last year with the Laguna thing for the Air Fence yeah. Fund. So let's talk about the Road Race World Action Fund. So, um, yeah, I mean, how, how deep? I, mean, I guess we've got 10 minutes. So I mean, I'm really deep. good at setting up Air Fence now. So yeah, it's good, you need huh? a guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, 
Yeah, so the foundation was started. I mean, that was that was all 2001, and that was basically my, you know, in typical John Ulrich style. AMA Pro told them, hey, you know, we can't get enough air fence. Uh, we won't have air fence by this time, and he just went, all right, you're an idiot. Hold my beer, and we had started a, a grassroots fundraiser. Um, he put his own money up to buy the first section, and next thing you know, we had OEMs individuals and a bunch of people buying these sections and we deployed the first first sections at Road Atlanta for the AMA National and you want to talk about karma the first guy to go into that stuff was Grant Lopez who was racing on a Valvoline MGO Suzuki FX bike and instead of dying or getting you know severely injured he um, dislocated his shoulder and raced later that weekend so Proof, proof there, right? And and yeah. since that, you know, since that, uh, we incorporated in a five hundred one c three nonprofit, and uh, we raised over two million dollars so far, and um, we've we've raised enough money. Like so, the Action Fund um, owns all the air fence that's that's used at the Moto America races, and we've been able to upgrade that fleet to Alpina. So for professional guys, you get to self-inflate an Alpina. And then we've been able to take other fleets of inflatable or dog boxes and distribute them to other organizations like ASRA, CCS had some. Um, right. Other racetracks around the country have some dedicated to them. Like we've turned Blackhawk Farms from being a uh, you know place where you're going to crash and, and be hurt very, very badly to, to not. So um, a lot of good grassroots stuff has come out of that, right? So we did an initial push, we got everything rolling, and it was dedicated to the professional level by the time we got it big enough, right? You look at Fontana, like I'm sure Fontana ran for the last weekend, but all that air fence was from the Action Fund and, and fundraisers that I did um, with a two-seater, and then, yeah. you know, yeah. David Piles matched funds or a mod, you know, so we covered that place, right? And so you just take that, take that model, you go take it to VIR with PRE, you take it to uh, Midwest track days, you take it to N2. I mean, those guys are those guys do their chili cook-off and race. So, so you know, you, you you do your own fundraiser. You supply the air fence. You know, you donate the money. We supply the air fence, assign it to your your organization, and it becomes like a big group and a big community. I mean, they had a big N2 endurance race last year, and one of the walls they're a little bit concerned about. You know, um, what America truck happened to be there, so we floated some air fence and, and had it set up. So. The air fence thing, man, it, it's, you just look at it, right? And uh, you look at Wyman's crash from, from Barber, you look at look at other crashes from club racers, and, you know, and there's some, some dedicated stuff in New Jersey. There's a lot of it around the country. And yeah. It, it's it's something that, you know, it goes back to, to, you know, my dad's experience in the 80s where a small mistake would make to have massive consequences. There's no reason why a small mistake should have massive consequences if, if we can avoid it. Right. And so, um, you know, we just did it. And now it's, now instead of safety being like, oh, okay, you know, you're just being a pussy, you're, you're a whiner. Now it's demanded. And then we have grassroots organizations and track day organizations sorted out and, and help, yeah. you know, doing stuff for their own, for their own club to keep their customers keep their customers safe and so we've, we've through that we've changed the you know we've changed the outlook we've changed the way everyone looks and the and the mindset on safety you know now it's demanded so yeah i'm not going to stop there i mean we're keep working at it i think uh 
there's going to be some expansion, um, you know, the scope of the of the mission of the of the program. But at the heart, it's going to be air fence, you know, and, nice. and supplying air fence and, and keeping people safe. Like, you know, donate you, you go, to that shit. Yeah, like, go donate back. to that shit. It yeah. saves our lives. Yeah. We're you doing know, it's, this it's, crap it's, out there, like. You know, you smash into that thing, you're gonna be like, "High five!" Dude, have you have you ever hit that stuff? No, man. But I I oh, jumped up and down awesome. on it. <laughs> no, it's uh. It so we started at no one, and it took me until 2014 to hit some because oh, we'll go back to the to the New Jersey we're talking before we got online, talking about my crash in turn eight, and then yeah, the week the week before that that nice crash where I took the foot peg in the nether regions. Um, I crashed in New Jersey in the last corner, going Mach 10 in a superbike race. And I missed their fence by like this much. And early in the weekend, I talked to Dave McGrath, who was the, the I don't know what he was at the time, you know, um, at AMA Pro. And I said, hey, man, you should put some air fence at the end of that thing. And, you know, in typical McGrath, okay, all right. Yeah. And Take um, his last words, right? Yep. And then uh, I go ankle first into that thing and ankle still click. You know, so it's like, okay, then after the race, I'm like, hey, man, can you put the air fence out now? I hit the wall. Thanks, bro. We had plenty in the truck because we supplied it to you. But anyway, yeah. Um, got my opinions about that guy. Um, well, he's the, gone uh, now, right? Like, he's yep. not, yeah, so fuck that. Um, yeah. So you're, you do a lot of fundraising for this yep. with the two upright program, or you did until Fontana's gone now. No, no, I still do it. So, oh, um, you do? Okay. Like Fontana, so you know, in 05, remember, I mean, you remember my buddy Vincent Haskovic, right? So, Vinny, yeah, Vincent, you got paralyzed at Sonoma, right? Yep. So, I'm not 100% sure if you hit a wall or the bike hit him or he hit the air fence, right? So, I think yeah. he didn't have air fence anyway. It was a shit situation. I mean, hell, he was we were living in the same town with my training partner and, and yeah. he was riding for my dad's team. So I spent a lot of time I was rehabbing my shoulder while he was in the hospital up in Norcal. So I spent a lot of time hanging out with him when he was in ICU. Um anyway, Vince gets hurt, right? And you know, massive he got health insurance but still got big ass medical bills. So I'm like, I'm kinda sitting around Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend's coming up, I'm gonna go to Fontana and ride around. I got the two seater and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna give rides to raise money for Vince, and I'm going to donate the other part to the action fund. First year was kind of slow. I mean, it was basically my my family members and a uh, few other people. Once I kind of figured out what was going on, poorly poorly promoted because it was you know just super last minute. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, so it started then '06. You know, piles let me do it again, and it you know looked at how much work we did on the thing and it was like oh wow okay we gotta support this so seven or eight like damn he's doing work you know i think the peak of the thing was 2012 maybe i don't know we did 400 miles or 494 miles or something on the bike so yeah we raised plenty of money like i said we raised enough to cover fontana and we raised enough to to start putting the general fund to disperse everywhere else um and then obviously when i moved moved to alabama i mean covid kind of killed it in 20 and then when i moved to alabama that was that you know the cost the cost of it of actually doing it since the two seaters out here would have killed that off but at the same same time when i stopped racing in 2016 it took over the um moto america had been after us they, they've been using us pretty heavily for two seaters at the at the at the races for pre-race um yeah pre-race promotions and they were kind of after a vip program i mean they were after a p they weren't kind of they were after a vip program so the start of 2016 
hired Michael Martin in to do the VIP pro while I was still racing because I didn't have the bandwidth to do that. And then I stopped it after Atlanta and um, um, took that over. And so it, it started, okay, we're going to sell a ticket and we're going to, you know, this is how much the ticket's going to cost and then we're going to raise this much money. You know, we're going to donate this much money. So now you can roll into a, a Moto America race and buy a $500 ticket. Uh, they take, I think, 160 bucks off the off the ticket and then donate the rest to the, to the action fund. That's what the end of the year. I don't know what we raised, 20 grand or something, you know, at the end of the season, right? Nice. And you get a bunch of fans that have good good fun time and, and, and enjoy it. And then, you know, a byproduct of that is guys like... Um, um, let less from from Medallia go uh, go for a ride on a thing, and um, you know then ends up seeing you know has the experience on a two seater, enjoys that, sends his employees out there, but also sees what the foundation's all about, understands it, and makes a donation, you know, a big donation of a hundred thousand dollars to the action fund. That, that I mean, that goes a long way to upgrading the upgrading the um, the Buy a lot of airfare for, for hundred grand. Yeah, for the Moto America stuff. So, but that you know, at the end of the day, though, that hundred K doesn't just benefit Moto America racers, right? Because it benefits club racers. Because the stuff that we upgrade every time we upgrade at a Moto America race, the stuff that we replace goes to. We got a fleet over in AMA headquarters in Ohio, wow. and a fleet of a few other places that um, then then gets distributed, dispersed, and, and used if we need a, additional. Dude, that's why like, I like the, the, the stuff for your deployment came out of Ohio. Yeah, you know, it sure so, did. so and, it benefits you know, everybody. When I knew we were going to Laguna, I was like, "Hey, bro, yep. like, how how do I get my hands on some airfits?" And you're like, yep. "Oh, talk to my I, dad." <laughs> yeah, I know a guy. He, he's got to handle that. I got too much stuff on my plate. Yeah, <laughs> I don't bandwidth, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I've, I think personally, I'm responsible. You helped me. You helped me with where to put it for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good at the deployment part. Like, I, I you want to talk about where where people are probably going to end up crashing? I can tell you. Yeah. Um, from personal experience and then also, you know, I have eyes. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, so I ended up very good, but it's, um, I That's think awesome, I'm pers man. personally responsible for maybe 250 grand, you know, through direct donations from two-seater stuff, but then also people have done two-seaters that decided to go and make big donations, but, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that you guys, um, used to you used to do it quite often actually uh yeah. you would post all the photos and stuff of like the dudes in the air fence that they're good yeah we need to we need to sort that out we need to get a few more going um yeah get back up on that but yeah man it's it's all something that we've done and, and it, it's not something that uh we didn't start the thing you know it was it was basically a holy crusade it was yeah we're gonna make things safer for everybody, and this now we've gotten it big enough that it benefits the entire community, and, and that's something. Um, uh, I mean, it, you know, it's 100. percent My my dad started it. Um, you know, I'm just a mechanism to make. You know, just one of the people that's out there pushing it and trying to make the money and help my help my fellow racers. Because like, I, I hit the stuff. It took me. We started it in 01. It took me all the way until 2014 to hit it, and I hit it turn one at Barber going pretty fast and I hit it face first and it got up race the next day yeah so I mean if that wasn't there and the trajectory tra trajectory that I hit it at right the chain chest and face it probably would have been pretty catastrophic for me yeah I'd imagine so man 
I'd so. imagine so. Yeah. A lot of a lot of racers owe you guys a a, a lot for that. Our our pleasure. You know. Yeah. And I appreciate you know, it too. I mean, you know, just being a guy that's involved in a race series myself. You know, the CRA man, like we we were super appreciative of you guys. Yeah, think about stuff. the level up on that, man. And plus, like your customers and, and you know racers, we're all at the end of the day, like we want to go racing and we want to beat each other and whip the shit out of each other and I mean, great yeah. Race people I like and don't like in the paddock or whatever but we're all this one big dysfunctional family in this niche industry that's doing stuff so we might as well take care of each other so um, I'm going to let you say the where, where to go I, and I'll put a link to it in the yeah. description of the video later but uh, where, where would somebody go to donate to the and action it's fund it's backslash or forward slash no, yeah, forward slash um, forward slash uh, action fund. There you so go. The real name of it is the Road Racing World Action Fund. Yes. It's, it's a five hundred one c three nonprofit dedicated to uh, motorcycle safety through the demonstration of airbags. Uh, like I said, I'll I'll put a link to that in yep. the description in case anybody wants to donate to that. Uh, if you're if you're club racing, if you're racing anywhere, like you should be donating to that anyway, yeah. just because I know I've. And I used to do those Daytona parties, right? We used to raise like thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's, dude. Yeah, it's, it's you know, but every everything helps, man. I mean, the first yeah. guy you know that hits that stuff, like you know, the the biggest. Go watch Wyman's crash. You know when he lost his brakes going terminal at Barber, dude. That was that would have been catastrophic. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. You know. Well, Chris, you know what, man? It's been a good chat. Uh, yep. Fun talking to you, man. Um, you're not the boring jerk face ever you said you are. No, I'm just kidding. I got a good RBF, dude. <laughs> hey, look, I go to the racetrack to work, so sometimes you get serious when you work. But right. anyway, right. it's good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I yeah, appreciate man. it. And, uh, are you guys going to test next week, or are you guys... Uh, no, waiting? I think we're looking at... Um, we're looking at... Well, it's 21-22 for February, right? And 22-23 for March. Okay. With the Daytona okay. 200 in between. Yes. Well, then I guess I'll see you at Daytona. Um, yeah. Good luck to you guys. No, I'll see you at February. 007 is coming at, back. Are you going to be at that February one? Oh, I have to go to all of them, dude. I'm like Richard's timing bitch. Yeah, so. I think I think JU's running that test for, for me. Um, I'm going to Spain. Oh, so. oh, oh. Poor bastard. I know. Right on, man. Well, you know what? Uh, it's been a good chat, and um, I'll see you at Daytona, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. See you. See you.